Welcome to another deep dive episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast, the same length uh, it takes the National Guard to respond to uh, people uh, invading our Capitol building. And and hopefully by uh, February, when this one is released, we don't have to ask, which time do you mean invading a Capitol <laughs> building? Right, or like, or like, hey, remember that? Like, <laughs> like, hopefully, hopefully people will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we uh, remember when we followed up on all of those things that happened? We had to do it. Uh, once again, this deep dive is going to be split into two parts because there's just too much to cover. And we're talking today about the love story of our age, the romance between Stephanie Marie McMahon and Andrew. Hold on. He's got a lot of names. Andrew James Robert Patrick Martin, which is too many names, better known as Test. Isn't that like when, isn't that just like when uh, an Irish mother is like scolding her her kids? <laughs> Andrew James Patrick Martin, put that down! Come to dinner! Yeah, when they have to invoke the confirmation name, then you know you're in real trouble. <laughs> Were you confirmed, Bobby? I was. Yeah, yeah, same here. I'd give it up on religion at that point, but also it was just kind of like, it'll make your grandmother happy. It's like, fine. That was it was it was the deal. My mom was like, "Listen, I don't care what you do. Can you just finish through this? See it through to the confirmation, and then whatever. <laughs> and then honestly, you could fuck off. I really don't care." And basically, at that point, she was still holding out. I'd marry a woman. So at that point, it was like just so when you want to get married later, it's or it's just a matter of paperwork. Honestly, you just want to be ahead of it. So I was like, "Yeah, right, whatever." Um, so I didn't really uh, put my all into it. I don't think, and nor was that the expectation. Did you I guess uh, I guess I did the same thing with with uh, with the, my bar mitzvah. It's pretty much like okay, look, you just gotta go through the get through the bar mitzvah, and then you know your uh, engagement with the religion is is up to you. But it's 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 a little bit weird. It's a little bit different. Um, just because I feel like the the bar mitzvah is just kind of like it is like a a, a cultural thing. Whereas confirmation is supposed to be like, I am opting in to this thing when it's most people's opt out time. Oh, do, do most people opt out of, of confirmation? I guess, yeah, baptism is, is like, is the one that you don't really, it just happens to everybody. Most people, most people like confirmation is the make it or break it thing. We all do it, but a lot, but like about half of confirmations end in divorce. It's your last. So wait, how, how? Like, right, but then how is it different from bar mitzvah? Um, because uh, I mean, like that's a, it sounds to me the same thing. Okay. Confirmation feels like a certification exam, whereas bar mitzvah feels like uh, a congratulations, you're an adult. Confirmation has to do with like being an adult now in the church. I feel like it's just more like you like finish the certification course at the at the you know a, a learning annex is what it feels like. Mm, I don't know, guys. I literally had to have a bar mitzvah tutor. I had to like study something and like learn and learn a yeah, an but, atonal song but that got, I had to yeah, but you got to read do, sing. You had a big party where you got to like put on a huge performance. 
<laughs> confirmation is like going to the DMV. Like the actual confirmation is like everyone puts on a suit and they files in a line. <laughs> like it's very okay. Okay, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, the, the the there's a certain amount of celebration of what happens. Like we get we get properly rewarded, and it's deeply personal. Uh, and it's for deeply our... personal. It's just yours, and you have your party your way, and you also have like your guidance and you reading. It's very like it's very individualized, and therefore I think more like re- personally resonant because it's you get it's you get to choose you get to choose whether it's the new york mets or the new york yankees that are the theme for your uh for your confirmation or for your or, uh, or if you're like me uh gambit <laughs> i was i had a i had a uh a signing board that was uh dressed like where i was uh my father had a friend in the comic book community who uh did a full-sized uh signing board of me dressed as gambit <laughs> wow <laughs> And Eric's and my parents were like, "Do you want to? Do you want to bring this to your like to your to your college dorm? And do you want to have like they 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 were like, how about you have this hanging up in your room for like well past your thirteen year birthday? You know what I mean? Eric, <laughs> where they didn't realize that like that if they ever wanted grandchildren, that thing should go into the deepest darkest corners of our storage. Also, Eric, I would hang that in my current apartment." <laughs> <laughs> I, was say, I was about to say, Eric Silver, you have a bobblehead of Greg Kelly and Rosanna Scotto up in your apartment right now, but that is not hanging up anywhere in prominence. It's not a bobblehead of. First of all, it's, I don't have a bobblehead of myself. Second, a bobblehead is about like what five inches by three inches, right? It's like uh-huh. it's not very big. This is a signing board, so imagine, imagine like. Um, it, it you can't really make a gallery wall around it. You keep, like you keep, it is. You keep saying signing board as though that's a thing that I should know what it is. Oh, I know what that is. I've been to many of our mitzvah. There's a signing board. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Aaron, did you did no Jews want to befriend you when you were growing up? Uh, well, I guess you went to Catholic. I went to school. Catholic school. Yeah. I. Oh, I yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I didn't befriend a Jewish person until college. Wow, you are a real neophyte, huh? That's. <laughs> You missed out on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so a signing board, as as Bobby, I'm sure, could also tell you, is about— No, no, you're um, the historian here, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, right. Uh, Bobby tutor. experienced it for the first—Bobby uh, experienced it growing up. I am the historian, and Aaron has the never done this at all. Got it for the first time. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're, we'll go back to Eric's bar mitzvah 30 years later. Um no, so it's a it's the a signing board is about I would say not exaggerating what f- uh, three by four feet three by five feet it's like it's a big poster it's size. a giant yeah it's a giant poster that is thick and uh and you know everybody so it's it's like put up on a um on an on a, like an easel or something or and uh, it's like a guest it's book. in the yeah, it's like a guest book. So it's like in the foyer of whatever celebration. And throughout the night, all your friends come over and like sign, you know, the, you have like, uh, you know, uh, uh, permanent markers, like sometimes in gold or silver. So it stands out. And, you know, people sign whatever messages. So what you're saying is it's a board that people sign. Seems like I probably should have been able to figure that one out through uh, through context clues. I'll, I'll be honest. I gave you the benefit of the doubt, but uh, you persisted. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I will let 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 us uh, go through this. What I want to know, but Eric, yeah, no. So it's a giant, it's a giant framed thing. What I sorry, wanna, what were you we gonna say? I say what I want to know is what color was the wax at your bar mitzvah that everyone got to put their hands in and make those cool statues with? 
Tell me you know what I'm talking about. Uh, no. What? This was like this. No. This was like the ultimate bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, like attraction. I feel like is they would be essentially this like station where you like dip your hand in ice and get it very cold and numb, and then you put it in basically hot wax, and then you. Bobby, you were invited to an orgy that wasn't a bar <laughs> no. mitzvah. I'm telling everyone, and then you, then you would take it out, and then the you would take your hand out, and then the wax would harden, like in the shape that you had. So you would be, people would do like peace signs or middle fingers or the shocker or whatever, and that was like truly like a, a highlight of every one of these celebrations. And everyone puts on a leather mask, and uh, there's there, the signy boards in the fuck room. Yeah, was your uh, the was the theme of your bar mitzvah Mets Yankees or eyes wide shut? <laughs> Um, no, so, uh, uh, another thing to know about me, since, you know, this is about me now, um, is I think what you're talking about, Bobby, is possibly a, a side effect of, like, where you grew up, which is, you were in the suburbs, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, I, uh, I went to very few bar mitzvahs in Long Island, uh, because I grew up um, in Brooklyn until I was about 14. And so my bar mitzvah was held in Brooklyn with a bunch of people who were not Jewish. And, you know, there were some people who were that, who were there. But, like, there were a lot of non-Jewish people. It was like, you know, my parents, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of money. And so, like, you know, we, we did it at a catering hall. It was very no-frills type of bar mitzvah. Um, there are other bar mitzvahs that are, I think what you guys were getting at before with the difference in the confirmation of bar mitzvah, it's kind of like a sweet 16. So there, there, you know, like once I went to Long Island, um, that's where you see, you know, it, it, it gets real, uh, obscene, the amount of stuff that happens. We never had the put your hands in wax thing. I mean, the big thing I remember was always just kind of like, you know, that you could do like, if you want, you could do sand sculptures, there were, you know, there was always dancing oh, and a lot of oversized sunglasses and inflatable musical instruments. A lot of, yeah, a lot of over, a lot of, yeah, a lot of oversized sunglasses, a lot of inflatable instruments, uh, probably like a photo, uh, photo booth, like those kinds of things. Yeah, and it, you know, just a lot of like foam shit and like balloon hats and shit like that. I mean, we had some of, we had those things, but yeah. like. We didn't have we didn't have any real stations for stuff. We just had like, here's your food. Here's yeah. the dancing. No, we didn't. I mean, like we I didn't grow up anywhere where they did like a super sweet sixteen with like uh, camel rides and like a full pedicure or whatever. But they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They literally just had a a vat of hot wax. So I'm not sure if it's no. more or less fancy than what you're describing. We didn't have sand art. That'd be fun. I think everyone by we, both would be like. Oh, that sounds so messy, and they wouldn't do it. <laughs> Man. We, we we couldn't afford the hot wax station. It was it was well uh, well past our budget. Well, guys, I think we really crushed it today on our our podcast. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, uh, leave a leave it rate and review us. Uh, and uh, next week we'll get to part two of Stephanie's wedding. <laughs> we are going back, not quite as far back as Eric Silver's bar mitzvah, but we are going back to August of 1999. Very well-worn territory for these deep dives. We're going back to the day after SummerSlam 1999 and the Love Her or Leave Her match, which test one. I don't remember that match at all. I didn't care to go back to it. But the following day on Raw, test wearing a blue Tommy Bahama shirt 
and Black Shorts is backstage with Stephanie and lets her know that she need he needs to do something. I have, my note here is Tess is dressed like Guy Fieri. Yes, yes. Um, and and every single I think I think there was even a necklace too that I might have missed in it. Can I can I ask? Um, I guess more of a point of order. How long have Tess and Steph been dating at this point? So they is it two weeks started. So when was the union storyline? I don't know anymore. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I have no idea. The, the answer is always August through through November because that's where we've been living for the past five months. So October 1998 is when Tess first came to the WWF. And he was evil for a little while there. So I'm going to say the earliest that it could have been is... Well, they were fighting against the corporate ministry was the whole thing. And right. Big Show was right. there, so it had to be after Valentine's Day. Yeah. Because um, Big Show was part of the union. So this was probably early, uh, late spring, early summer. I, was, yeah. I assume around like June-ish. Um, union, Junion, June, Union. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> that all clicks for me. That that works for me. G Union. Well, yeah, that's the, that's another uh, important time in a young Jewish boy's life. G, his G Union. Someone's gonna let us know on the comments. That's all that we know. So Tess goes to the ring, grabs the mic. Somehow, all the energy isn't sucked out of the room. Stephanie comes out, and then Shane comes in and goes, whoa, 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 over my dead body. Because Test has said, sometimes you gotta ask some questions, and sometimes you gotta pop them. <laughs> yeah, that famous line. Uh, <laughs> Poetry. I gotta say, by the way, that throughout a lot of these scenes, um, Stephanie's face is like, she looks a lot simpler than I know she is. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, her eyes just are like, she just like she just like puts her puts her face into this mode where her eyes are just are wide and she's just kind of like half smiling in expectation almost all of the time. And I think that's a choice. I want to say that that's an acting choice on her part. I think so. Well, I think it's a I think it's a choice when you don't really know how to act yet, right? Uh, well, I mean. With, with, between her and Test in these scenes, she looks like fucking Meryl Streep. <laughs> but also, I don't know if you guys are watching Bridgerton, but I, I was watching this and all I kept thinking is like, this is basically straight guys Bridgerton. Like, it's all about proposals yeah, yeah. and like, like all kinds of like, will they, won't they? And it's like also chaste and like, but at the same time, illicit. And it's, I'm like, this is the same vibe as Bridgerton. <laughs> Right, is Shane um is Shane uh you know secretly in love with an opera singer? But also but the the, bro- the interfering brother. I mean there's a lot of parallels. That's, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I could draw here. He's, he's... In well in um in August of 1999, I was going around telling people like, "No, you don't understand. WWE is like a soap opera for men." And thinking that I was the first one that ever came up with this comparison. <laughs> You still are. Yeah, I, you, you blew my mind. Wow, I never considered that. <laughs> um, Stephanie is all, why can't you love me for me? Blah, 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 blah. But then Tess takes a knee to a huge pop. And then Stephanie's response to, will you marry me, is basically, nah, but maybe. 
<laughs> yeah. First of all, he reaches deep into his cargo shorts to get the wedding ring. <laughs> this but she's, is... she says basically no, and then his theme music plays. And I know it's weird time to play theme music. <laughs> First of all, it should be her theme music, right? Because she just won. She she fucking crushed him. But she's she's also like she's like, uh, let me tell you in two days. <laughs> it's so weird. The big doofy smile that's on his face as he like hugs her after he, she has just said no to him proposing to her on national television is priceless. This was- honestly, that's the most acting I feel like. That's like the truest. That's the tr- most truth I think he's ever found. Is like that's what how a person would act if they just like got rejected while like on TV in front of millions, just to be like smile dopely and be like, "This is great. Let's hug." Um, and the the commentary team tried to oh. put over. Well, she didn't say no. No, my favorite part. I mean, like Michael Cole. I feel like secretly spends his night watching YouTube proposal videos um, because <laughs> he is leaning into this so hard. He's, he's essentially Bridget Jones. Uh, he is at one point. He's like, "How could you not have chills at a moment at this moment?" And you're like, "Very easily. These are two wooden wooden people who just met." Like, I don't. <laughs> this is not like a love. They are not Ross and Rachel. This is essentially the Nutcracker, a child and a and a, and a wooden object that's been brought to life magically. Yes, a hundred percent. Well, a little background on all of this before we go too far down the rabbit hole. I think I talked uh-huh. about this a while back that Tess was originally brought in, and Vince Russo really wanted to put him in DX, and it was the guys in DX and Triple H specifically in his like sway in the back. Uh, to kill it because they're like no he sucks like he is too green like he's too inexperienced um, and we don't want him he's a liability like we don't want him and also like the thing with DX why it works when it works is that they are actually friends so Mm -hmm. it just like felt weird to like insert this guy but they wanted him to be like a young Kevin Nash Um, Mm -hmm. so DX was like no 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 so then almost to spite Triple H Russo uh, put him in this angle with Stephanie, which was obviously going to be this huge opportunity and starring role. It's almost like a, oh yeah, we'll prove to you this guy can be a star. <laughs> and prove they did not. And they did. I don't know, man. I mean, as much as, man, Tess is bad. I mean, even by the parts we were watching, I know we have a whole second half of this to go into. He's fucking over, man. Yeah. So... Yeah, like, not for nothing, like, it did, you can't say it didn't work. Like, yeah, this is some wild, like, this is the most soap, soap opera y shit um, that I can think of in many ways. But at the same time, as bad as he is, especially the back half of this man, he is over. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thing about, you know, that you bring up because, and like, it's something maybe we can revisit uh, because. You know, the question in my mind is like, basically, when I was watching this, I was like, you know, was was this tests make a wish? Like, this feels like, like, you know, some kind of wrestler fantasy camp. Like, hey, how would you like to be in a store in a month long months long storyline that involves all the top like WWE superstars? And like, Tess just found the golden ticket. Um, So I wonder. It definitely seems feels saying? like um, it's the storyline that put Test over a lot more than Test put the storyline over. Well, that's what I was. That, 
Yes, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm curious about. Like, is it is it that you know? Are there some storylines that are to a certain degree bulletproof? Uh, if you throw enough stars at it, where the the person it centers around will go over. I mean, sure. I mean, like everything's a combination of like uh, talent, performance, good writing, luck. I mean, there's a million and one. You know, who knows? I don't think there's like one solid formula, but I think absolutely there are examples you can find in history of like a story being bigger than the performers, or the performers being bigger than the story, like. There's examples of all across the spectrum, and I think there's not sure. one, I think, like, equation that gets to success. I think there's, like, a variety of them that will get you there, different recipes, but this is clearly an example of, like, the story getting over and the other actors in the story carrying it around test for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, well, I, this, this felt very similar to, like, Psycho Sid, right? Where, like, Psycho Sid was super over and then vanished you well, know what i mean like keep in mind like the broader con- i know we've been like back and forth over these like this territory for weeks and weeks and weeks but undertaker's hurt austin is hurt uh mankind's got is like working hurt all the time and so like i they're they need to make sure there's other stars here and obviously triple h obviously the rock uh but they need to be looking at like who's next coming up the pipeline like who else are we going to be able to keep making stars with and this definitely right. seems like the uh, the type of alchemy that if you tried to replicate it and tried to do the story again, it just it it would fall flat on its face. It just kind of like the stars seem to align that this story was so over and had I know me drawn to the TV screen every week to see the next chapter. Yeah, I, I mean you can't do it again. Stephanie's already married. <laughs> uh, it would be really difficult. It's hard for her to do that that innocent face anymore. Well, there, I mean, we have so much to have. We're only on literally week one, but truly, like, there are parts of this that they w- wouldn't work again because they would never go as far as they did in this story, which did lend, like, an actual sense of not real danger, but real unpredictability mm-hmm. um, in a way that WWE today does not ever even, like, try to come close to. So I, I think there's, like, that part of it. Uh and I wonder, though, but imagine what would happen in a story like this with someone who has the talent and the star power to, like, really, like, come through with it or really, like, uh, be have the, the talent and the star power and charisma on their own then to then, once they're over, run with it outside when the story's over. So I don't right. know. Jericho, marry, Jericho marrying Steph. Or Edge or, you know, like, imagine, yeah. like. Oh, God, yeah other folks that that might be able to work in this better in other under other circumstances but test is who we have and you on paper if you looked at him you're like this guy is big he's handsome you know in in, in a way that Vince McMahon thinks men are handsome uh there's a lot of meat that, he's got that really cool tattoo um <laughs> looks great uh in, you know embossed metallically on a mesh tank top that i mean he's got it all he has his own he has his own icon. What do you call it? His own yeah, logo. That's like. Did he go into his own font? Was that <laughs> was that like Flash at a tattoo shop, or did he design that and go into the the tattoo shop? And this is what I want, Aaron. This is something that I think about 
every night before I fall asleep. <laughs> Truly, Andrew Martin walking into the tattoo shop and sitting someone down with like a very crudely drawn on a piece of notebook paper that's like ripped out of like a spiral with the edges all frayed and crazy. But it's literally just a cross, and like just one line down, one line across, and then on one side, like an elementary school student's sun, like a circle, just lines off all the sides, and then a moon in like kind of a loose crescent shape. And then him being like, I want this, you see, because it's day and it's night, which are like opposites, and then the cross because religion. And they're like, great, got it. Or he walks into the tattoo shop and he's like, I don't know, man, I'm getting my first tattoo. My only, as far as we know, tattoo on this gigantic man is he's like what i want on my enormous bicep is this teeny tiny little one i saw on some girl's ankle uh and it's a cross <laughs> a sun and a I mean, like just and i like it because it's the opposite of day and night and it's cross because religion and you know what I mean? either way it's very funny to me that he related to it enough to put it on his body and then was like you know what this is so cool i'm gonna make this my thing day and night are opposites and also a cross because religion <laughs> that is how the thought process there and then for the for the, the costume designer to be like i test i've got the look we're gonna take your fucking stupid tattoo and put it on your shirt and then we're gonna make sure you don't wear sleeves so they can also see it on your arm so in case they miss it in the front they can catch it on the side it's like what the fuck okay I I kind of oh. thought I thought that uh that it was a reference to like the you know the the last temptation of Christ like you know he spent a day and a night on the cross. I think it just yeah. looks like something out of the Da Vinci Code. Like it, it, when the light hits it a certain way, a box opens. Test actually chose that <laughs> symbol for himself at his confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's his, that's his conversation. That's his con- his confirmation name. Actually, it's like, like Prince. Yeah, so the same thing. With, that's actually what happened to Prince too. Yeah. Should we move oh, on to week two? Yeah, please, please. <laughs> we are on the same week, my friends, because on the inaugural episode of SmackDown, which came out next, Stephanie comes out king, in all his kingliness. Uh, oh, it's. Dating that common wrestler test. Test comes out in full big show funeral wear. <laughs> Just like everything leather. Also, also Stephanie is wearing hideous common shoes. I don't know. My note just says shoes in all caps with an exclamation point because her, her shoes were just they were bad. They were bad. The, note for, the note for every time Stephanie comes out is shoes. Her yeah. her her shoes are the worst. I need to, to like, write on my arm Stephanie shoes whenever I'm watching this because you guys always pick up. I never think to look at her feet. And Shane's blazers. Uh. Shane's blazers, Stephanie's shoes. I think they get them from the same – they steal them from the same giant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, her her shoes, like – oh, God. They're just so, like, thick. It's like it's like if you made a Lego figure of her, but she like <laughs> yes, but yes. she wore the furniture, but she wore the clothing of the Lego figure. It's very similar to in, in the in the two K video games, the like the creator wrestler shoes are mostly wrestling boots. You know, it makes sense, and so like the shape of the foot, you know, they don't make like fully artic- articulated fucking feet, so they're just kind of like Fred Flintstone, you know, chunks. <laughs> Uh, and so when you go to like the women's shoes on the creator wrestler, like the high heel or whatever, it looks truly insane. Like, you know, when you're a little kid and you try to draw a, sh- a high heel shoe and it looks like a wedge. Of yes. Shoes on top yes. Of I do know this. Huh? 
it looks like yes, that I one... do remember trying to draw draw a high heeled shoe as a child. Go on. It, it looks like that one sculpture of Storm King of the two rectangles, where one's kind of hovering out of nowhere. Uh, it just looks like <laughs> it makes no sense. That's what uh, these shoes actually look like. They're just like chunky and heavy and weird. Well, Tess gets a good view of them because he gets down on his knees once again like a fucking doof and proposes. But now she says yes, I guess because it's on network television and not on basic cable. That's smart, man. You know, she wanted she wanted a bigger uh, a bigger share of the uh, of the ratings. Classic housewives move. Yeah. Mm. I had to uh, get on my knee like five times to, to propose to Talia. She was yeah. like, no, 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 there's not enough people. Bring, bring <laughs> Get some more in. Now there are too many people. We got to get the demo. At the, uh, we have a better demo on Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, interjecting themselves into this again, we've got a post-proposal beatdown by the Mean Street Posse. But Mankind, who remembers his Union Strong days, comes in and fights them off and stares down Shane. Yeah, uh, my after seeing that, my pitch is there should there should just be a weekly show of mankind giving the Mean Street Posse chair shots. It's just that's <laughs> the whole show. Look, we fantasize a lot, or at least I do, and I think we all have talked about like being a wrestler, not being a wrestler full time, and like all the work that takes. We're not that crazy, but like taking a bump in like a celebrity enforcer sort of way, right? Mm-hmm. But something I would never want to do if they were like, okay, you could be a wrestler, you could do this, um, but you have to take a, an unprotected headshot with a chair from Mick Foley. I'd be like, yeah, no, I don't think I want to do this that badly. And these guys are like, not, they're just his friends <laughs> in the fucking head with a steel chair by fucking mcfoley i don't have a death wish like those like that's got no way man that's the thing i was like oh, you know what so I, you know you watch the mean street posse and you're like well here's the you know the the example of like you know without a, you can put the work in and, and do it you know obviously not well and you would never be like the champion but if you wanted to like you know be a manager that every now and then, you guys get the drift i'm not gonna keep yeah. going down my, my my wrestling uh <laughs> fanfic here uh but my erotic f- friend fiction with wrestling but uh <laughs> Seeing the Michi Posse take these headshots are like a reminder. It's like, just because anybody could doesn't mean that everybody should. Yeah. Well uh, said. Yeah. And then so backstage, as Boss Man is driving off with Pepper, uh, a bunch of guys, uh, Earl, it looks like Earl, Jimmy, and Michael Cole, who were just all hanging out together backstage, go to congratulate Test and Stephanie. I wonder what they were talking about beforehand, though. Well, Michael Cole had just seen 10 Things I Hate About You, and so he was saying how much he, like, loved the modern Shakespeare interpretation. Oh, it just feels like... Michael Cole's all over this, man. In the coming weeks, he has some great lines. He's just, like, so... I'm just excited for him, because you can just tell he loves love, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Um, So, there's a wedding on its way, but there are a lot of pieces that need to go into place before a wedding can happen. Since so on uh, August 30th, Tess needs TV time in order to ask an important question of Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. We have dumb voice Pat, you mean you want us to be the best man? Which made me wonder, does Tess not know anyone before October 1998? Well, Tess was actually created in Greenwich at the WWE facility. 
who do who do I want standing up there with me? Should it be my my lifelong friends that I've been through thick and thin, or the two weird old guys that that what he says to him is, "Well, you've always been pretty cool to me." Yes, that is the <laughs> that's the criteria a best man makes. Well, I mean, his current rubric is any better, where he's like, "Who has the better memory?" And it's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Yes, I I love that. I love the better memory uh, bit is what, is kind of amazing to me. Which one of you guys is least likely to lose my wedding ring? That's not to lose. To just just forget. Just be like, wait, what was I supposed to do today? <laughs> I got some of these cargo shorts, but I can't remember why I put it there. Uh, but they'll be in this story a lot more because on September sixth. We have the Mean Street Posse coming out with Terry, and Terry's doing her first I'm moving fast, now I'm moving slow. First I'm moving fast, now I'm moving slow. Way of being sexy. <laughs> she wants to be with well-schooled, classy young men, and she chose the Mean Street Posse. Here's the thing. and Oh, man. I don't, um, do I want to say this? Um, Terry with the Mean Street Posse comes off very old. And not that you can't be old and sexy. And not that Terry is not beautiful, even to this day. But something about, like, her energy and the Mean Street Posse feels very Stifler's mom. (laughs) Which is a time-appropriate reference. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like... I wish they would have leaned into that almost a little more. It's just, and I know Terry at this point is not an old. It's again, it's one of those things like so much fucking makeup. You look, she is giving me very like mom vibes with the posse mm-hmm. and with the Hardies. It's like this, I would not pair her with these young bucks. Mm-hmm. And it's funny intended. because like when she's when she's uh when she's on Mike, like she's like I I I she's very attractive. Like she the the way she like you know her mannerisms on Mike. Like I I feel very. I don't know. There's something very comforting about her, the way she talks, and she's got like a real like uh, manner about herself that's like mature and attractive, and doesn't yeah. fit very well with these guys who are just like fucking like douchebags, like li- like you know like twenty something you know Jersey Shore type douchebags. Yeah, I think you know we 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 kind of have dunked on Terry. I feel like a lot in the last few episodes because these are not her best months, um, but. And then they put her in a lot. She's kind of the 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 recipient of a lot of these really shitty writing and really shitty degrading storyline things. Uh, but remember, like she came up with the Marlena character. You know what I mean? Like mm. she's not right. just like some model they picked out of a car show, you know, and threw out there. Like she has had a mind for the business, has a mind for the business, and and like had character. Remember, they chose to keep her over Goldust. You know what I mean? Like she has that. She has value, and I agree. She's, you know, I think with uh, up there with HBK, uh, my, one of my favorite people to have on guest commentary because she really mm. does. She volleys with Lawler in a way that no one else, especially in a similar role, is able to do. Uh, yeah, and I agree. She's a very like confident. It's not. She's not like um like playing a bimbo role, and she's not like playing like uh, air heady or like like she doesn't get the joke that she's being sexy. It's like she is always in control of the conversation, and I, and I agree. But I, yes, I think pairing her with these idiots, it just like it 
it saps all that away from her because she's just then looks like she's you know trying to like uh be like a be relevant and young yeah be the new dorito girl you know what i mean (laughs) yeah 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 be the new dorito girl (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile i guess she could they should have paired her with uh briscoe and patterson so that she would look super young by comparison (laughs) very true Two of them come out to uh, Real American. Pat Patterson rips his shirt open and starts grabbing his titty. I mean, very fun. Pat Patterson fun. is just always having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start to get the shit get beat out of them as Tess just kind of, I guess, waits backstage at Gorilla. He's like, "No, they haven't played my music yet. I can't come out yet." <laughs> Well, good thing they have good memories because Tess forgot he's in this match. Uh... (laughs) And we're going to obviously watch a lot of Tess wrestling throughout this. And just my biggest takeaway is Tess is a monster, but nothing he does in the ring is smooth. Oh, my God. You see every single, like, herk and jerk as he goes through. To be fair. No, Working yeah. with the Mean Street Posse, though, isn't fair to gauge for anybody because you know they're not able to give. You know what I mean? They're right. Like, right. carry their half of the equation, which is very clear in this match. But just like uh, what's it, his his pump handle slam, there isn't oh, a God. single time where he does it clean and it doesn't look like he's like using all of his might to lift them up. It's such an unnecessarily fussy move. Yes. Like... It's yeah. very. It's not dissimilar to uh, what Rhea, Rhea Ripley is doing with the Riptide. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has a, a, a little bit of a similar setup, but that I think even gets a lot smoother because it's just like it's one lift. There's not a whole fucking baton twirl of a human um, mm-hmm. involved in it, and I think that makes a big difference. I, I, you're right. I think the finish sucks, and that's why I think as we go through these, you start seeing him go more to the elbow drop as the finisher. Because this move mm. is just, it's too fucking fussy. It just doesn't make sense why you would, like, um, physics-wise do anything like this. Right. Well, and, and the thing about it is, like, you know, there have been a lot of, I've we, we've seen a lot of these kinds of finishers that are overly, there's a lot going on. It's like, uh, thre- you know, it's like um, the, the bunny goes around the tree, it goes through the hole, you know, like they're trying to learn, like, their sailor's knots uh, yeah. while they're doing a slam. Um, so I, yeah, that is a, that is a very valid criticism. My bigger criticism, and I think it goes back to what, what Aaron was saying is like, he can't even handle it. Like watching him fumble this shit. I'm like, I'm like, it feels like, like if I were the person getting this pump handle slam, I would be so worried about him like slipping and breaking my neck. Cause he just looks like he's going to do that. Every time. And then, meanwhile, at the end of this match, he ha- – I can't remember who it is that, that's uh, on the the on the mat, but it's almost like corner to corner that he flies across the ring, and it looks really good. So why they're going to that so many times is, uh, is beyond me. September- and then we get Sean Stasiak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even feel like that was was worthy of bringing up. But yes, Sean Stasiak, formerly Meat, is in this story tangentially as well. But on September 9th, Stephanie asks Mom, Pat, and Jerry to come out for an announcement. The announcement is, we're getting married. And we all go, well, we know, because you just had the engagement the the previous week. 
But on Monday, October 11th, Tess and I would like to invite the whole world. To- I'm going to have to stop you there, Aaron. Uh, yeah. So Steph goes, and we want to get married in front of all of you. And then they have a little bit of a pissing competition because Tess's like, well, actually, Steph, I want to invite the whole world. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, you are you just like trying to one up your 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 bride? Like, or is there a difference between all of you and the whole world? Why is it? Why do you? Why are you even repeating this? Yeah, I does, fumbled does that. Does Stephanie know she's on TV? Does Stephanie just think she's just talking <laughs> to people in the arena? <laughs> I fumbled that myself because in my notes I have Stephanie just did that. It yeah the the way that they inv- that they do invitations for their wedding is very similar to uh, the Passover Haggadah where it's like well when uh, when he when when God said he would uh, free the slaves and then or you know free the slaves and pass them through Egypt that was one but actually all the days and all of the nights means every single day like you know like the way that they're both parsing out like well is it all of you is it all of the world when you say all of you do you mean all of you physically in this stadium cuz also they're not going to be able to fucking make <laughs> it fucking SummerSlam you know, yeah they October 11th is going to be in another fucking city sorry <laughs> Now it's a destination wedding, you assholes. Does, Steph- does Stephanie think that that uh, it's the same audience every single time at every single arena? <laughs> Poor people Hello, all audience. look alike to her. Poor people all look the same to her. <laughs> uh, but they cannot have, uh, have a moment of peace in themselves because it's the posse again and their faux sublime entrance music. Oh, it's really awful. I don't know at what point. I don't know at what point in this segment this happens, but Cole's again. This is like Cole is fully like um, having his like f- my best friend's wedding fantasy up in here. He, at one point, he honestly says, "Love conquers all." Sincerely, <laughs> um, and then at one point, he responds to going after all they've been through. R E. I was dying. He is so invested in their romantic relationship. I. I mean, like. I'm honestly, like, knowing how this all plays out, very concerned for him. <laughs> he's like, Listen, I, he, feel, he feels all of the feelings. I feel like he's going to be one of those, like, crazy fans that's, like, obsessed with a celebrity and is like, you guys can't break up. You're meant to be together and, like, shows up at their house, like, after driving for three days in a diaper. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's the energy I'm getting from him in these segments. We get other energy from Shane, who tells the posse to back off. And then he goes a long, boring pre blah, Shane, I owe Stephanie, I owe you an apology, blah, 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 blah. You stand <sighs> before me as a woman. And it was like, is Shane hitting on her? It always feels like Shane is hitting on her. It always feels like there is some sexual tension between Shane and Stephanie. Again, this is very Bridgerton. Like, it's very much so, like, protecting the honor of the family and whatever. I'm telling you, the parallels, the parallels. Um, also, Shane loves the phrase, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Mm. It's not as badass as he thinks. Like, it just, <laughs> just sounds like fucking, it sounds like he's like a foreman, you know, but, on a construction site. But, Eric, couldn't you see um, Vince McMahon saying that to Shane all the time when they're kids, when he was a kid? Oh, 100%. Like, Dad, yes. can, I have, can I have some cookies? <laughs> no, Shane is like, oh, come on. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. 
Take out the trash. Mow the lawn. (laughs) I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. You got to walk this dog. It's not my dog. (laughs) But then coming out of this, Shane has given his blessing for this union between them. And then Tess, or Shane puts out his hand for Tess to shake. And then Test does that thing where he looks down at the hand and then his arm kind of like swoops in to grasp it. And he does this multiple times. Makes me wonder, is this how he always shakes hands? Yeah, I think so. Honestly, I was like, oh, yeah, that's he's like a cool guy shaking hands. He doesn't trust nobody. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a loner, Dottie, a rebel. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's the... <laughs> Unfortunately, on September 13th, Joey Abs is not going to listen to Shane because Stephanie is a tramp. Jeez. Um, Joey Abs, we haven't had a more incongruous voice-body combo since Dan Severn. Voice-body-name. How are you called Joey Abs? You gotta wear a sweater the whole time? What the fuck are we doing here? What the fuck are like we doing Like zero here? abs, right? Yeah. Joey, where them abs at? That's what the full name is. So Shane gets beat up backstage, wonder who it is, and then, oh boy, Joey Abs versus Tess, said nobody ever. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my god. I'm like, I I felt like you could see in their faces that even they don't want to watch this. Like, even they don't want this to be happening as they're going through it. Please. I I really want to dunk on Joey Abs' facial hair, like his well-sculptured facial hair. But at this point in 1999, I'm like two years removed from having a chin strap, so I don't think that that's fair for me at all. Well, I want to dunk on his like weird, kind of short, curly ponytail hair, but to be quite honest, I'm not far from it at this point in quarantine. (laughs) Same, same, same. I haven't cut the top of my hair in going on a year now, uh, and I feel like uh, I'm getting close especially when it's wet to joey abs hair because <laughs> i just keep shaving the sides in the back and the top just gets longer and longer and longer i can't remember who on commentary said this but they refer to the posse as a pack of rich little wolves <laughs> <laughs> you rich little wolves you, you prissy little wolves covered in gold um also somebody had a peak gas sign there were a couple the fuck, signs here who brings a sign for pete gas to a fucking uh raw Pete gas there was mom obviously <laughs> <laughs> there was also a pair of very well stenciled signs that said paging mr ickles mr test ickles i saw that one <laughs> i didn't see that Te- that's funny i'm so- I saw, I saw, I didn't see the paging part. I just saw Mr. Test Ickles, and I was like, that's fucking really funny. That's really good. That's really fucking good. I mean, it's not a great joke, but it is a great thing to put on a sign and bring to a, an arena where yeah. a, a main event performer named Test is performing. That is very funny. That is very funny. Um, Test wins, duh. Rodney and Pete attack after. Shane runs in and they're fighting, and Tess helps his future brother-in-law. Um, um, yeah, I, it looks like that they like they did this whole thing where they run out into the back and they run into the parking lot, and then like like there's a point where where uh, 
Tess runs over to the door of the car, uh, like to the passenger side of the car, and it's just waiting for Shane to unlock it. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys aren't really like conversing about the fact that you're now on a team together, right? Like, this is you just entered like buddy cop movie mode right away. Like Tess is sliding across the roof of the car and then, and then waiting for like Shane to go beep beep and like no 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 it's not open. And he's like no 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 you have to pull it. Don't pull it while I'm while I'm unlocking it. You can't no no just leave it alone. Step away. Okay, now it's open. Not to this- mention they get in the car. There is no sign of the other car that they would yeah. be chasing. No way. How are they yeah, going to fi- are they going to drive on every single street in whatever city that they're in until they find the Mean Street Posse? Well, that's the thing. They're probably going of- to the hotel, right? I was very confused by this segment. <laughs> Cuz I mean the the drive off in an implied car chase is like a trope we've been seeing a lot. But like you right, said, yeah. usually you see the other car drive off first or drive off in some degree or we have a chance that they're going to be tracking them in some way. But here they just leave and then we don't ever find out what happened. Did they just drive around and go home? Did they <laughs> – it's such a weird thing to insert into the story and also prompted by an attack that relatively is very minor. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they they – they have committed. There's been way worse things that have happened that didn't involve like chasing someone out of the arena. Like usually when they clock out, they leave it in the office. You know what I mean? They don't bring it home with them. So it's very weird that like this is the thing that spurs them on that we have to see them get in the car and drive off, and then we have no idea how it was resolved. We have no idea what happened once they left this arena. Like they the probably company- just met him at the hotel bar. You know, they were like, guys, okay, <laughs> like we know where they're gonna be. Let's like let's just get a few drinks. Let's hash this out. Or they the just big, drove around the, until they got hungry and then went to a jack-in-the-box and called it a night. That's what I think happened. <laughs> <laughs> the big boss man drove off with the Big Show's father attached to a, a casket attached to his car, and the Big Show just kind of, like, fell off and didn't go to his car to chase after, which would be a lot easier thing to track down, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think there'd be reports of a police car with a giant megaphone on top dragging a casket down the highway. <laughs> September 16th, we've got Shane versus Joey Ab, but before that, Cindy Margolis is here. Sasta McNasty. <laughs> Every time I see this, it's so funny, and all I can think about is, like, get in one of your poses! Show us one of your poses! <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's still, it is still so funny to me. Of all the ridiculous things we covered, that one really sticks with me. And Eric, make a sexy notes, pose. <laughs> what's that? Eric, in my notes, I definitely have Shane. I'm not asking. I'm telling. <laughs> yeah, he says it every single time. Um, also, let's talk about uh, Shane's pants because uh, I don't know. They're not okay. They're not MC Hammer parachute pants, but they're certainly um, not tapered at all, right? Like <laughs> they're they're extremely like comfy pants. They do seem extremely yeah. comfy. Like Shane's big, big old, big old, like a uh, car, uh, what was cargo pants? I don't know what he's keeping in there. I like when he when he winds up finally, you know, flying through the air. I was like, oh, okay, there. Th- that that's why he wanted to get more like uh, more drag while he was while he's he like, was landing. He's like a flying squirrel, like a sugar glider. When he gets up, there, right? Exactly. It's out. like when Batman, yeah, when Batman opens up his uh, his cape and every, he's, it's got the webbing, or the Undertaker. Or the, yeah, right. Sorry, I should have talked about the original superhero, The Undertaker. <laughs> the original Batman. 
So my favorite thing about this one here is so there's a, a, a three on one attack on Shane like duh like that wasn't going to happen, but Tess and Stephanie are just watching the monitor backstage and at no point does Tess decide to go help out his new best friend Shane. Yeah, yeah. I, my thing here what? is Tess is being is is such a cuck. That's my like, what <laughs> what is happening. Well, it, it also, I, I think, you know, it, it's a silly question to ask, what are the stakes of a wrestling match? Because the answer is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think having two people involved in the drama, watching the match, like, wrapped with attention on a TV backstage really makes me wonder, what are the stakes of this match? Because, like, you know, there's a little bit of a, of a uh, what do you call it? Like a suspension of disbelief, right? Where it's like, okay, you know, is it realistic for these people to be like, we're going to have a fight and this fight is going to be mediated by a wrestling ring and having a match. Okay, fine. But like, and so like, you know, when, when Sean, when Shane is like having a fight with his friends and it's mediated by a wrestling ring, I get that to a certain degree, right? It's like, we're going to settle this. We're going to settle this the only way we know how in here. But why are Shane? Why are Test and Stephanie watching? Like, are they are they hoping for a specific outcome? Is it like, well, if Shane wins, we can keep getting married? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like it's. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the only payoff we get is uh, after Shane wins the match. With there's there's Briscoe, there's Patterson, there's Sean Stasiak involved. But Shane winds up winning the match. Stephanie is so happy, and Tess gives a "that'll do, pig" from the top of the ramp look at Shane. Yeah. So the next part of the story we already talked about in a previous deep dive. This is when uh, Jeff Jarrett put Stephanie in the figure four and they had a match. So you can check out our deep dive of Jeff Jarrett versus every single woman already available wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll skip ahead to September 27th. Uh, Test and Stephanie are tuxedo shopping. Oh, are they? And they're like, sir, would you like to get married in a ska tuxedo? (laughs) I was like, pick it up, pick it up, let's do this. Like, come on, how fun would that be? Or do you want to wear the Godfather's uh, ring gear to your wedding? That was the other option? Um, This is obviously improv on their part, because Stephanie goes, ooh, what about this one with a different kind of tie? <laughs> Tess says something inaudible at this point, and she pushes his chest and goes, you're so bad. And I can't imagine the the thing that that test said at that point that got that reaction i think i mean i'm pretty sure it was michael cole at this point who over the segment said that this was going to be the wedding of the millennium <laughs> and i mean i know that sounds ridiculous but he, honestly he was trying to say it's going to the, to be the medding of the millennium which yes, I, think I, was, I was gonna say it i was about qualify. to hit that it will qualify about i think is that. that it is the medding of the <laughs> millennium um yeah, the, the the Godfather one. She says, "Oh, it's your favorite color, metallic lime green." 
DX Green, which I also thought was a little bit of foreshadowing, perchance. Ha. No, I actually though really do think that was the Godfather's ring gear. Because, like, that obviously <laughs> would not have been in that same tuxedo shop they were filming in. I really do think that was, they were like, hey, Charles, can I borrow your ring gear for a second? <laughs> and they just put it on a hanger, and they're like, great, what else you got? I don't know, I got the Ska tuxedo, which I, uh, they, that was left behind by fucking Jimmy's Chicken Shack, whoever played the fucking Royal Rumble Rock Party. Well, I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, like, uh, the only time I've ever seen that kind of assortment of tuxedos and vests is like when I was going to my prom. Mm-hmm. It feels like, you know, like there, there are, there are places, there are like wedding tuxedo places. And then there, I feel like there are like high school prom tuxedo places and like never the twain shall meet. Right. Like <laughs> they're like, like the, the high school tuxedo places, they're like, look. We these kids don't fucking know anything. We can keep we'll keep everything in stock. Like you know, we'll have a like a marijuana leaf vest. It doesn't it it doesn't fucking matter. Like but like they went they definitely went to the the high school tuxedo rental place. Well, no, the thing that was they were definitely in the fancy one, but they brought the high school ones with them for that <laughs> super funny joke, which is what the whole thing. They was. rented the high they rented the ones from the high school to bring to the to the. The wedding store to use. I also love that all those prom formal wear shops are always called something like after six. And it's like, that sounds kind of dangerous, but not dangerous. So kids can feel can feel cool, but mom approves. You know what I mean? It's always like, ooh, we're up all night past ten. Isn't it, isn't after six like a candy bar that like is you know, it's like one of those like lesser known chocolate bars? Like a fake ass payday. Yeah, like yeah, like a, and after sex, it's like it's like c- coated in coated in silky dark chocolate, you know, like for like it's like uh, candy for adults. <laughs> oh, like when when Dove started releasing the uh, was it Dove the Dove yeah. bars the dark chocolate Dove bars. It's like, can you make your ice cream bars just a little bit more fuckable? Yeah, or like yes, that, that right. one with Mila Kunis, like the Magnum ones. You're like, this is you're this is a lot for ice cream, you guys. <laughs> This is a lot. Uh... <laughs> yeah, like like they they made a bar called they made a, a a thing called like symphony, and it's like what? It's just fucking candy, man. Like it's sugar. My Guys, favorite. We, uh, I was going to say we've been part... talking. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of this scene, though, is at the end. Stephanie says, "Do you have something in black? Do you have a black tuxedo <laughs> in your tuxedo shop?" Sorry, Big Show already rented it for his father's funeral. <laughs> uh, you you want the leather one, right? Yes, the leather one is already out. But yeah, we have Bobby, black. We'll... We have we have it in leather, suede, cow print, <laughs> checkerboard. <laughs> or, will any of those do? Or... <laughs> oh wait, I just checked. We also have velvet in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bobby, what were you gonna say? I was just going to say, we've been talking for an hour, and I don't know if we should take a break so we can all check if we still have a president or not, because I do feel like <laughs> I, I, I've been doing that all week, and I, I'm a little nervous that it's been this long, and I haven't checked in on if well, we have a government. Sorry. Well, <laughs> Bobby, I get I get all my news the same way these days. I wait until people are screaming in the streets, and then I check and see what it's about. <laughs> Truly. Tr- literally that. That's how we find out things are happening in America now. People are screaming in the streets and we're like, I hope those people are reacting to news of someone else sieging something and yet not a siege (laughs) outside my own window because they start to sound very similar. (laughs) 
Uh, all right. Um, so then we get the uh, the opposite side of, of that scene on September 30th, where Stephanie is looking through bridal magazines, but Tess is too busy watching the game, even though this is currently during a wrestling show taping. Yes. Uh, my big note here was even the WWE bookmarks don't even care about this segment. <laughs> like, you can't. You can't even like. Usually, I don't have to look at at, uh, at your timestamps, Aaron, because like I, I I use it to confirm. But mm-hmm. then, like, I can just be like, look for test, look for Steph, look for mm-hmm. test and Steph. And this was just like, uh, this is just kind of tagged on to the back of something. You you actually nobody nobody wants to see this. I love test. Yeah. You know, very slick, very original line here that he's not marrying the gown; he's marrying the girl. And I so wish you would have said instead, why buy the gown when you can get the girl for free? Which I think was a much <laughs> would have been a much better line in this scene. My uh my number one wish for this scene was when Tess goes, uh, I'm just watching the game. The camera pans across and Triple H is just kinda standing there. <laughs> <laughs> or he's just watching the game and it pans over and it's just like a screensaver of a of like uh Atari, you know what I mean? Of like Pong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is when the, when that hits the corner, you know you're gonna be excited. It's true. I would actually get sucked into one of those. Okay, so next we're going to the Rebellion pay per view, which again we've already been over that before, and you can check out our Rebellion uh, already where you get your podcast. We're bulldogged through a trash can at Stephanie McMahon's head. Now we're getting into super super super. Uh, soap opera mode with a case of amnesia on october 4th tess is there to give an update but michael hayes is conducting an interview in either the fuzziest t-shirt i've ever seen or perhaps covered in scales i can't tell what the material is about this shirt because if if i'm right on this you guys might not be as aware of this because uh i don't know if you had as many close female friends as i did at this time obviously gay but this time period, there was a big trend of these shirts that girls would wear. They were women's shirts that were, when you bought them, very, 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 very small. And they look like a loofah, but they stretch out a whole lot and they look like that pattern. But when you take it off, it shrinks into almost a doll size. Like, you know those balls you get at like the gift shop at a museum that sort of like expand and contract like breath? It was like that, but a shirt. And this was like very popular in this time period. So I literally think, you know, and Doc is always on the cutting edge here. Doc Hendricks always on the cutting edge of fashion and especially like, uh, I don't know, like uh, non-binary goth raver fashion. So it makes sense <laughs> to me that he would find either a male equivalent or um, uh, or not care uh, because clothes don't have gender and just put one of those on. Truly, that is what I think it is. I've spent a lot of time looking at it. I tell you. <laughs> Does any of that resonate with you at all? Do you know at yes. all what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I also had – I was in drama club, so I had a lot of oh. female friends, and I had a sister. So I know, so I know the shirts of shirts. which you speak. Yes. So you've seen I know what you're was, talking about. What an insane and stupid moment in time. Like, <laughs> this time period in fashion is honestly – and I've talked about it at length on stage, off stage, on this podcast, um, in my sleep – is so bad for fashion, and that is one of my least favorite things. And I do think Doc Hendricks is wearing one of those shirts in this segment. <laughs> Yeah, what what would you consider? Like, when does this the 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 worst fashion era? When does it start, and when did it end? I definitely think it starts in the mid nineties. Uh huh. 
Um, and I, cause I think there's like, a l- there's a lot of fun in the early nineties. And then I think uh-huh. it's like, then I think like when, um, where it's almost like eighties ish still, where there's like, especially like, uh, just like really over the top fashion stuff. But I do think, uh, there's like the heroin chic, very like, uh, bare bones, you know what I mean? Like jeans and black bra, like minimalist, uh, stuff. And then all, I think all of the business, like Melrose place and things also make them, these like blazery brown everything is taupe everything is brown everything is eggplant um it's very dull and i'm trying to think of when it ends because then we go into like limp biscuit and all kinds of horrible things when this time it's still very bad and it probably doesn't get better until we're through metrosexuals because i i look back at pictures of myself in college and I, i look at myself and i was like wow you were so like skinny and and like cute um even though at the time i was like you're the fattest person who's ever lived and nobody will ever love you um and i just wish that i could go back in time and dress myself and like and do like my hair and my facial hair oh my god i did not have a good type of facial hair until after i graduated college and i had facial hair throughout college I use Aaron, I'm going to tell you something. I bet in 10 years you're going to be like, man, I wish I could go back to myself when I was 38 and just dress myself. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we have that thing, right? Where we're just like, you know, you always think you're like, man, I was so much better, but why didn't I like live up to it? See, I don't know if that's the case. I do think when you're that age and this time period is uniquely bad. Like when I yeah. think of like other time periods after like 10 years ago now, which I think about a lot. Because I'm like, wow, I can't believe I knew Nathan still then. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not, like, ashamed as much of the fashions and things. And maybe with more distance I get more ashamed. But I was more ashamed of what I was doing at this time fashion-wise, like, while I was in college. You know what I mean? Like, when it was, mm-hmm. like, two years out, mm-hmm. I already knew I was ashamed. Because uh, <laughs> it was sincerely very bad. And I don't think, I, again, I don't think we as a society get through it until, like, Queer Eye comes and then like smacks everyone around, and they also have terrible advice. So then we have to get through their terrible advice, and then once that's over, is when I think we kind of like settle on a happy medium. Okay. <laughs> to the happy medium. Yeah, of being like okay, decent. Now like, we kind of like figured out how clothes work, you know. <laughs> so Tess gives an update on uh, October fourth. Um, Stephanie did nothing to deserve this. Is is the takeaway? But Doc asks, "Well, what's going on with the wedding?" And Tesco's wedding, she doesn't even remember me. So truly embracing the soap opera with a case of explosive amnesia happening now. Focus amnesia, too. Um, Also can remember other things, but specifically just not Tess. Yeah, she's got post-concussion syndrome. Is Is that a medical term? I feel like that doesn't seem right. I think it is a term. And I think it's a term they should not be using lightly. I'm right. I was about to say, uh, I I often, whenever I have a headache, go on WebMD and it's like, oh, look, I have post-concussion syndrome, turns out. I don't remember hitting my head, but that's probably part of it. Yeah, I guess it. I guess it's a thing. It it just sounded like a WWE made-up thing. But then this the f- man isn't pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> then on October 7th, we get Shane's update. But for this interview, Doc was told to put on a WWF polo shirt. But he's still wearing a snakeskin belt. <laughs> um, Stephanie is starting to get her memory back, but still has amnesia. Um, and then he's asked, have you heard the comments the bulldog has made? And Shane just walks off. Not listen to any of it. 
And then on October 11th, Doc once again, but he's sitting down this time, so I can't really tell what he's wearing. I was very invested in this, uh, this the, the, the clothing storyline that was happening along this. Um, this is where we find out post-concussion syndrome can't remember anything. She has to get tattoos every single day of what's <laughs> happening in order to yes. uh, make her way. Just got a big tattoo that says, do not trust British B on it. <laughs> but she can't remember her feelings is the big takeaway. Can't remember her feelings for test. Ah, feelings amnesia. The worst kind. <laughs> and then on October 14th, Doc is in a Canadian tuxedo. Um, interviewing Tess. Tess says, I'm so freaking pissed. So you know he's mad. <laughs> And Stephanie might forgive, but I don't. Then we yeah, get... I think I put good good line reading from Test. Huh. So then on GTV that very night, Stephanie and Bulldog sit down to talk. Stephanie says Davy gets that it's David return. Kind of like when, when someone decides that their name is different, but they haven't told enough people. I had a cousin, or I have a cousin... Her name is is Abigail. She was ABBY for the longest time, and then she just started spelling her name ABI. And so on, like, a Christmas card, if you wrote ABBY, even though it had just happened, she was like, actually, it's ABI. Woof. That's rough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to deal with that. That sounds like it must be really, that's something that must be really hard on the whole family. <laughs> um... Stephanie says, I don't think you're to blame. And my question is, how is he not to blame? <laughs> well, she blames the trash can, obviously. Uh, yeah, well, no, no, no. Actually, I thought she seemed kind of reasonable. Um, to me, I was like, I was like, first of all, for somebody who doesn't have any memory, uh, you're, you're like really at peace with stuff. But like, okay, so I guess what she was, what she was kind of getting at was, uh, Bulldog was being, I don't know, uh, screwed by Vince McMahon in some way, and he was angry about being screwed, and she is uh, collateral damage. So I guess, I, you know, like, maybe she should, like, work on accepting poor behavior from men like the Bulldog, and maybe, you know, she should think about whether or not it's really okay for him to just throw trash cans around. But I, I get that, you know, she knows that he didn't mean any malice. Okay. Um, but she... I don't know, man. This was, I, I really I really connected with this emotional moment here. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, Eric, do you have anything you want to talk about? <laughs> we can we can make this into a therapy session. No, no, it's fine. Listen, sometimes people get angry. Sometimes it just happens. But Stephanie's trying to persuade the British Bulldog to apologize, just so that this whole thing will be dropped, and he's sick of apologizing. This has been a waste of, um, and no, no, actually, it's it's this, and he points at her, has been points, a waste points of my time, points. Just so that you know that he means it. Yeah, then this is a, like, I feel like, again, uh, nobody sits and, like, works with British Bulldog on, like, what is your motivation? Like, what is going on with you? It, like, all of his responses are just, like, Okay, I have to stay angry, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep staying angry, and I'm gonna figure out a way to keep staying angry, and I'll just say, you know what I mean? Like it's just, mm -hmm. 
it's like when you ask somebody to define a word and they define the word by just using the same word over and over. Like, I feel like that's the same thing, but for everything the bulldog is doing, like there's no, uh, there's no insight into why he is, uh, you know, turning down this pretty reasonable argument. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Except that he's the British bulldog and he, uh, he can't. Right. I'm Bulldog. This m- m- angry. Okay. So the Bulldog's anger after No Mercy on October 18th, we get the British Bulldog versus Tess, where Tess comes out with a comically large, clearly plastic trash can. Jimmy oh Corderas tries to take away from it. Every time they called it a metal trash can, I, went, I have my notes, metal trash container in, qu- in quotation marks, LOL, 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 LOL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think JR said this was a match we will never forget. And I was like, oh, we absolutely will forget. I can tell you for certain I forgot that this match <laughs> happened. I truly did forget it happened. So we will and do forget. The only thing I will remember is that clearly plastic trash can bouncing off of test oh as they drop it God. on him. Literally like boingy, boingy, boingy. It was like an Animaniacs trash can. Uh, I, also, my notes for this match just say, hole. Hole, hole, hole. Because it's one of the ones I wish a sinkhole would mm-hmm. open and swallow the ring. <laughs> <laughs> um, my big takeaway is that nobody is recycling newspaper uh, in uh, you know at the WWE like that. All the trash was newspaper pages. It, it was like um, like gift wrap paper. You know what I mean? Like a little like tissue paper <laughs> yes. inside. They were like, gotta make it look full. Man, this <laughs> arena. We've been wrapping a lot of gifts. We got to put a lot of wrap- tissue paper in this trash can. I thought it'd be really funny if, like, if, like, you know, a time traveler like arrived, and like when they come, they come, they come back in time, and they like walk to a trash can in the WWE, and they just like pull out eight pages of newspaper. They're like, "What? What date is today?" Because like, it feels like that they're the they have the most newspapers at the WWE in the garbage. This is also, I guess, the start of this pairing between the bulldog and the posse. Where I guess the idea of this is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But also, neither one of them, neither neither Tess nor the Collective Posse, really have a good reason. I'm sorry, neither Bulldog nor the Collective Posse have a good reason to be mad at Tess. Like, Bulldog no, is mad because of the apologies. Meanwhile, the Posse, I mean, Joey Abs and Stephanie's relationship notwithstanding... Um, was mostly angry at Test as a proxy for Shane. Yeah, I don't understand any of it, but I do think that them teaming up should have been called Greenwich Meantime. <laughs> oh, that's that so would be honestly very good, so good. Wait, but going back to what you were saying, I think that part of it, and again, this is a stretch, and I'm projecting for sure. But if I really had to like argue this in court, I would say that. Yes, the Mean Street Posse's role in this started as, like, Shane's backup, but throughout their assistance in helping Shane try to prevent this relationship leading up to SummerSlam, Test humiliated each of them individually with injuries, etc., that had then forged their own bit of bitterness against him for having, you know, one-upped them so many times on TV. That's that's how I would, if I, ha- if I was, like, really, like, someone held me down and made me rationalize this, that would be it. Now, mind you, you say Test humiliated the posse over and over again, but he was not responsible for the Hawaiian shirts that they wore to SummerSlam, so. That's true. 
Um, what I want to know about October 21st is why uh, the, the Bulldogs jeans are wet, and I really hate it. Like, And I know <laughs> how and why wrestlers get wet remains to be one of life's biggest mysteries. But seeing wet jeans is just a different experience. It's a different vibe, and I just would like to be a little bit more careful with like uh, the splash zone when we're getting ready. <laughs> Can you put on like an apron or a bib, maybe? <laughs> This is all well, you should you should you should get wet and then put on your jeans kind of like how, you know, if you're going to sit down when you're wearing a suit, you take your pants off so you don't wrinkle them. Ha. Same. Um, this is also when Edge and Christian join up with uh, the good guys in this story for reasons. But also, thank God, Edge and Christian are here because it makes the wrestling so much more fun to watch. Oh, my God. So much more. However, though, I love this is the match where it's it's Bulldog and the posse, parts of the posse, versus Shane. Is it Shane Edge and Christian or Test and Edge and Christian? I can't remember. Mm, Test, Edge and Christian. Test, Edge and Christian. I, I, well, I think uh, it's – wasn't it supposed to be just Test and the Bulldog, but then the posse is here, but then Edge and Christian are there? I don't know. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Well, I know is that it starts with a beatdown, though, and uh-huh. what's so funny, it's like – Edge and Christian would have been there sooner had they not had such a stupid, unnecessary entrance. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if they would have just been backstage like normal people, they could have run down the ramp and saved them. But no, they had to, like, fight their way through the crowd from the upper rafters. Uh, it's like, wow, really rethinking the, the, the practicality of that now. This is also the match where Rodney is so bad at wrestling that he gets in the ring to tag himself in. Oh, yeah, that was bad. But you just do a moonsault, and I applaud him for that. Okay. I would like to attempt to do a moonsault as long as I don't have to get hit in the head with a chair by Nick Foley. <laughs> okay. Summer's coming. It's looking like it'll be a little bit better this year. Um. So then October 25th, rumor is that you're feeling better, and we hear that Steph is almost 100%. And then we just see Test and Shane talking strategy in the background. But we've got Bulldog versus Test in a steel cage this time. Again, uh, yeah, this feels like wrestling fantasy camp. Like, it's like, man, what what do you want, Test? We'll give you everything. You got a cage. Weren't there a bunch of run-ins in this one? There were. And, I mean, this was probably my favorite match that we watched out of all of this. Mm. Just because. Uh, uh, I think the last one. Yeah, yeah. I think the last one, too. But, but th- wait, there was a pre-match promo here I want to talk about before we get to the match. Yeah, go for it. Because uh, Test gives this threat in the back, and it's so funny to me. Um, because I'll give you the, the, the sort of reference first. Uh, you know, Real Housewives always have a tagline. And one of our favorites of Nathan and I have is from the OC, Kelly Dodd, who sucks. She's like a COVID denier, and she's like in, married to a Fox News commentator. She sucks. But she had a line, her like opening tagline one year was like, call animal control. Because there's a cougar on the loose in the OC. <laughs> and, like, it just felt like it ended over and over. A, it's bad, but also it just, like, it sounded so, like, staccato. And, like, it sounded like three sets. Like, just when you think it's over, you're like, oh, wait, there's more. Uh, and that's what – so tested a line that was, Steph's remembering, but Bulldog won't remember when I'm through smashing his head into the cage tonight. And I was like, you could have – that could have ended four times. You know what I mean? Like, any time – you just see, like, like, taking a breath, like – and he's like, tonight, in the cage, <laughs> with the rope. And you're like, Tess, just fucking word economy, man. But he was just like on, the, like the teleprompter wasn't scrolling fast enough. It's the dark night of promos. Yeah. Hmm. 
Uh, but we do get so we get Tess from the top of the cage. We get um, Shane from the top of the cage. Uh, we get slamming with the uh, with the steel cage door. This was fun. This was definitely you know the second best match we watched for sure. And in the end, Stephanie is tending to both Shane and Test, her boys. Aww. So this is also though the same night that Degeneration X reunites during the New Age Outlaws versus the Rock and Stone Cold in the main event, which is going to be very important later on. So we are going to get some DX mixed in with what's going on here. Um, on October 28th, we had DX running amok backstage with Stone Cold catching him them in elaborate traps, like that he's Wiley e. Coyote or something. This is the one where we saw the road dog with his foot stuck in a bear trap. In a fucking bear trap. Like, that's not... <laughs> that That's not even, I think, like, a... That's, like, attempted murder? I feel like <laughs> that's, like, a like a bear trap? That's, like, oh, yeah, he caught uh, X-Pac in a snare. He caught Billy Gunn in, like, uh, a box uh, held up by a twig attached to a string. But then he <laughs> caught, you know, he caught uh, road dog in a guillotine. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Eric, is a bear trap a weapon? Oh, bear trap is not a weapon. But but a bear trap is a trap that's meant to trap bears. So putting putting a human leg in there is at least going... I don't know that I would call that attempted murder, but it is going to definitely break a bone when it snaps on there. It's needlessly gruesome. It's like, well, I'm going to yes. catch, again, I'm going to catch this guy in like a net, but I'm going to catch this one in a shark's mouth. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put it, I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll put it this way. There's no cruelty-free bear traps. Yeah. Right? Like, there, are, there isn't like, there isn't like a bear stuck on, to a big thing of glue. That's just kind of <laughs> like, hey, hey. It's this big box. You put a pot of honey in, in, all the way on the inside. <laughs> and when the bear goes in, it triggers a waiting system where he's trapped. You can't get out. Right. Uh, when you want to release it, you just take it really far away, and then when you open it, the bear just comes out and goes, oh, bother, and then just walks <laughs> away into the forest. So then we get back to uh, Test and Stephanie on November 1st. Um, Test is a st- accompanied by Stephanie um, out there, and Stephanie on commentary says, I have all my memories back, and King says, everything? And Stephanie says, Everything. Even Test? You remember Test? My favorite part is she keeps going, there's my man. I'm like, well, there's the proof that she remembers. She keeps pointing out, that's my man. <laughs> can you I- him. Can you identify him in the courtroom today? Yes, that's my yes, man. Yes, he was getting a Coke from the Pepsi machine. He was uh, wearing his red, his red pants. So he's up against Val Venus, and in this part, Val Venus says everything as though he's making a pun. He goes, I'm glad you got over your amnesia and remembered your yes. fiance. Like, wait, is that supposed to be dirty? <laughs> it's, it's a little bit like when, um, when people, like, don't know when they're being ironic anymore. Like, they're like, yeah, I really like that. And like, did you? Yeah, actually, I, I kind of yeah, did. I was like, into it. Bridgerton's a really good show. <laughs> it's actually quite good and well-written. Well, it's funny. I because, find it pretty interesting. Because Stephanie also does a fake laugh to the king where she goes, oh, ha, 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 ha. 
That I liked. I liked when when King made like a you know a King dad joke type of thing, and she was like, <laughs> you know, like and I was like, good, you know, you know what, King uh, Steph shit on on Lawler's joke. That's what you should be doing more of when you're on commentary. So this match ends with a Mankind run-in, because if you don't remember, uh, Mankind, or sorry, Val Venus has burned all of Mankind's books, and they've got a whole thing that's happening right now. And the match just kind of ends as they fight out into the audience. But Stephanie goes in to grab the mic, and I gotta say that this is actually kind of sweet. Um, and does the Andrew, will you marry me, gets down on her knees this time. Because if he had to do it a third time, I think he would have had to kill himself. I would have to kill myself. I can't fucking deal with it. Um, also, it's really gross, uh, the fact that, like, Steph definitely was not in love with Test and had to kiss him after he was wrestling. That just is so <laughs> nasty to yeah. me. Uh... But what does the father-in-law-to-be think about all this? We go backstage where everybody's celebrating Stephanie and Andrew and Vince McMahon, except Triple H and DX show up to the party. And we learn that they've caused enough trouble. This all leads to a main event where um, it's Shane versus Triple H and Vince accidentally hits Shane with the belt. They're treading water on the November 4th SmackDown. Um, we had a test in D'Lo that ends with a, a win for D'Lo as the posse talks shit at, on top of the ramp. But then on the November 8th episode, the Outlaws beat Al and Mick for the belt, and Triple H has a message for Vince. And it's his ass, literally. Uh, was it on November 8th when, like, Tess talks about how he's marrying the family? Uh, I don't know. I don't have that in my notes. But really, nobody has anything to say about uh, Triple H showing his bare ass? Um, I feel like the, Honestly, the camera was sort of pussyfooting around a little too much. I was like, listen, I might have spent too much time on OnlyFans lately, but, like, get in there. Get if in you, there. If you don't see whole, it doesn't count. Exactly. My favorite part of this promo, though, was that, like, at the end, X-Pac grabs the mic, he's like, and another thing, and it faded out. They're like, no thanks, Sean. We're good. We're good. <laughs> We're good. Um, There was also, was this the, the episode where, like, DX was like, they had, like, multiple segments of them talking about how Vince can't outsmart yes, them. Yes, And I, they were like, can't outsmart all the buzz. And I was like, he absolutely can. <laughs> Two of you. Well, you've been talking about it for 30 minutes. Yes, of course he can. He can, he can outsmart you. You guys can't get past this topic. Of course he can outsmart you. Two of you are wearing bucket hats. <laughs> <laughs> I really like. So So we, they go backstage with. Um, Test and Stephanie, and again, my man, Michael Hayes, Doc Hendricks, turns to Linda McMahon and goes, and I understand I'm standing next to a very proud mother-in-law to be. <laughs> really hard-hitting journalism there. It's like, extra, extra, my dog is a good boy, a very good boy. <laughs> this is another time where Tess shakes hands like a goon, but it's after Shane gives his blessing, which he already did on Check Notes september 9th two months ago but this is like his hundred percent blessing back when we were trying to figure out like how much of the the uh how much of the wwf each person owns now he's got the full uh, blessing 
No, actually, Aaron, point of order. Uh, blessings for marriages are very similar to uh, impeachment. So, like, you can, you know, he, you give your blessing for each, uh, each form of the, of the uh, proposal. So that was the previous proposal. He gave his blessing on that. This is a, a completely new proposal. He has to bless this one. What's interesting is the first proposal originated in the House, but this one actually started in the Senate. <laughs> yeah, they're actually trying to see if they can get all of the members of the WWE board to invoke the uh, 25th rule that just that just goes ahead and makes them get married without even worrying about Shane's blessing. Hmm. So DX uh, ignores... Vince's warning and interferes with The Rock versus X-Pac, causing Vince to book Triple H versus Test that night, the son-in-law. Um, Triple H is angry and shirtless about this, and DX is trying to put them down, and then we see DX putting a plan together for this. But it's one of these matches where we've got Vince as the timekeeper, and Shane is the referee, and DX is barred from ringside. And how is Triple H going to get out of this one? I like interest- I liked all this setup. I really thought. I mean, I didn't like. I thought I agree, Eric. There was like so much. Like I was going through. And I was like, God, I, another backstage segment of them just like needlessly yelling at each other about nothing, just like f- panicking in each other's faces. Uh, did not need all that, <laughs> but I did like. Uh, what well, exactly what you're saying, Aaron? Like, okay, now you see how like these are coming into place. And, like, how are they going to get out of this one? Like, I definitely did go into this being like, what are they going to do? Uh, like not realizing and then hating what they did and then hating it a little less, but still hating it a lot. But we'll get there. Well, I mean, here's here's the thing. Triple H is going almost exclusively to the the Steve Austin annoy the boss playbook. But at this point, we're supposed to like Vince McMahon and hate Triple H for doing almost the exact same things that Austin did, except that Austin was a loner while Triple H has DX behind him. Uh, I don't know if I'd equate them so similar because they shared an uh, an adversary. I think Austin operated with a, a degree of a code of honor uh, that would certainly stop short of anything that would be meddlesome with uh, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that was like well established that like even when Austin hated Vince the most, Austin still stepped up to um, interfere to protect Stephanie uh, throughout like the ministry handling. Which again, remember uh, she was kidnapped at the behest of her own father so let's not forget that already <laughs> happened um so yeah like so cheery so and that's what i'd be like not the same <laughs> okay yeah it's it was interesting like this move by dx uh was it reminded me of like the like hbk dx right where they were just like you know agents of chaos you know what I mean? Like doing like just doing fucking with people, doing shit to them. Um and it's funny the way that the like the, the how you guys like I think I think my my brain still isn't in that mode where like I think you guys pick up the the um the narrative like clues that the show puts down which is like you know okay, so Vince is setting these things up. That means that the tension is how will you know? How is DX going to undermine this? And I don't watch it that way. <laughs> like I wasn't <laughs> thinking like, how is DX going to undermine this? I was like, okay, here comes some more fucking uh, people that they're just going to have on the outside of the ring. 
oh, I guess, oh, here comes DX with, like, some video segment where they're going to, you know, pretend they're raping somebody. Yeah, you, um, you, you kind of have to watch this as though you would watch the Dukes of Hazard. Right. How right. Them, how them, yeah, you ha- how yeah. them DX boys going to get out of this one? Exactly, yeah. You have to, like, you, you in a certain way, you have to be, like, a real participatory viewer with with wrestling because, like, there is there are a lot of shows including Bridgerton that like I can just passively watch it you know let it you know let it wash over me and just be like uh huh uh huh and then what happened whatever um whereas uh I think with like with wrestling you know I often feel like I can passively watch it but if I'm passively watching it I'm missing out on like half of what they're trying to set up because I think that they're like building it with the idea that people are actively watching and actively having the kind of thoughts that you guys are talking about, right? Like that they're cat, that they're picking up on the tension because it's a, it's really, it's a, it's a very unspoken, subtle type of tension that they set up, you know? Also, I mean, just also bear in mind, 1999 was a very different time for just watching TV. Like the computer was in its own room in the house so it wasn't like I was doing other things while I was watching, usually. Yeah. Like, when you were watching TV sure. back then, you were just watching TV and not, like, fucking around on your phone, as I tend to do quite a bit as I'm doing the homework for these deep dives. Same. Yeah, I think everyone's fucking around on their phone most of the time when they're doing most things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. So we've got. The I mat- fuck around on my phone while I'm fucking around on my phone. Like <laughs> yes, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like go between apps. Yeah, you know. Yep. Oh yeah, we'll have a, like um you know pop up notification, respond to text messages while like reading an oral history of gargoyles or whatever. <laughs> Just me? Okay. No, definitely not. Um. Okay, so we've got Triple H versus Test here. Vince is doing everything he can to put the belt on his future son-in-law. We get a long shot of the back of Austin's neck during the match. And then we go to The Rock, who's surveying it from a comfortable chair. No, just me noticing that? Okay. No, I mean, I, I actually did. It. Yeah, I missed all of this. No, I, I caught it, but I feel like it's just a lot of um, the idea that all the wrestlers are in the arena where this is happening, and they choose to watch on, like, five-inch TV screens set up in bathrooms and hallways <laughs> is so places. weird to me. It's like when you go to a concert and you're, like, close to the front, and yet you just stare at the screen of, of you know what I mean, that's being filmed uh-huh. on the other side of the stage at the festival or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, that's what it feels like. It's like, just look in, in front of you. It's actually happening right here, like, live, uh, you know, theater. Like, uh, it's just very strange to me that I'm like, you have access, and yeah. you could just no, watch no, it. No, 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 the screen will choose what I watch, thank you. Yeah, let the screen show me. And also, like, I have no friends here. Like, I mean, I know some of them do. Like, don't you, don't you want to, like, you want to be alone right now? You're at work. This is it. Like, this is all you do. I mean, it, yeah, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like uh, the VIP suite at sports events, right? Like, people, mm-hmm. like, get in these amazing suites that people would, you know, that, that other people would love to get in. And then they just, like, watch the TV. But also, like, why? They're not, in. they're not in it. But that's the thing with this. They're not even in amazing suites. They're watching TVs on a bunch of, piled up on a bunch of milk crates. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're like, why would you, why would you do this? You could watch TV alone by yourself in the hotel anytime. <laughs> Why even come to work? (laughs) (laughs) 
I ask myself that de- that question every time I log into my virtual classroom and I'm greeted by a whole bunch of silent black boxes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Triple H does the dainty crotch chop this time around to uh, test and Vince on top of the announce table. I thought this match was pretty fun, honestly, for what, you know, this was one of the better test matches, probably. Um, yeah. I liked the bit, you know, there's a bit here where Triple H hits the pedigree and then Shane leaves the ring to ask his father what time it is or how much time is left in the match. <laughs> but the timing was perfect and Shane was, I thought like Shane like really sold it. And it was uh-huh. honestly, I thought very funny. I was, I, it didn't feel like awkward or like he was going through emotion at all. It just felt truly like he, it was devilish. I liked it. Um, and I thought the false finishes were really good. Were really good and legitimately surprised. Had me like deeply invested in the finish of this match. So to go towards the finish, Vince hits Triple H with a title, drags Test, gets Shane to count, but they don't have the three count to spare because on the Titan Tron we see Road Dog, who's taking us backstage to a room where Billy and X Pac are holding a woman down, that we don't see her face causing Vince, Shane, and Tess to run back, and it's a count-out victory for Triple H. And keep in mind, no one got in a car to drive after them either. (laughs) So, just to keep that in perspective... I mean, in 1999, I was also like, Vince probably orchestrated this himself, considering everything that he'd done before. (laughs) First of all, uh, you know, not to... Not to uh, spoil anything that we're about to talk about in the next week, but you can already tell from the shoes of that woman that it is not Stephanie. Yes. <laughs> it's too <Yes>. nice. <laughs> All right. Let's get to it. November 11th, DX oh, no. stands, triumph- <laughs> stands triumphant, bragging about sexually assaulting Stephanie. Fuck. I mean, all my notes are just like, ew, ew, gross, this is so gross. Oh, God, this is gross. This is so gross. I hate this. This is so gross. The only thing I legitimately yep. liked about the opening of this promo is when Triple H says, roll that beautiful bean footage. I really like that. <laughs> I laughed at that very hard. Because it's something Nathan and I – Roll that beautiful what footage? It's from, like, the the, the, baked, the Bush's Baked Beans commercials, like, famously one of the lines, like, kind of like a where's the beef, is a roll that beautiful bean footage. Uh, and it's something Nathan and wow. I say all the time, like to this day, because also, I mean, this is, sorry. I mean, should I say sorry? All we do is have tangents. Uh, we call yeah. our dog, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, her little feet. Um, we call them her toe beans. Um, cause they look like little beans at the bottom of her little paws. Um, and sure. so it's toe beans. And then we say, roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> so anyway, when Triple H said it here, it tickled me. Um, and then that feeling was, man, this, everything this pandemic this needs to end for a number of reasons. Holy shit, you have no idea. <laughs> we need to get you outside. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. <laughs> that, that, speaking of that, uh, Nathan and I have also invented a new game called Bad Impressions. And basically, uh-huh. you point to the person, you give them a person to do an impression of that you think they'll do badly. And if they do badly, you get a point. And if they do it well, they get a point. And the best part about this game is that you're playing it at all times. Like the 24-7 <laughs> championship. So... At any point, you, wait. So <laughs> you can be playing. Do you out. have like? Do you have like judging where you're being honest? Yeah, like, honest I mean, judging. It, like it's, you'll admit. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just the two of us. So it's obviously just like the you know, we're not, and I don't. We're not even writing down the points. We literally just like do the round and then just move on. Uh, so there's no stakes, uh, but it is very funny and very fun. And we just call it bad impressions. And so, and typically it's me at firing them at Nathan uh, and him doing mostly bad, but a couple times he's had a good one, uh, and I've given him the point <laughs> for it. So anyway, all right. So yes, quarantine's going great. You might say. Um, 
the time. I had coffee yesterday uh, with some with some okay. friends. I'm not okay, going. Good. I'm out in these streets. You can find okay. me out in these streets. Okay. Good. Good. good, good. <laughs> All right. Um. Road Dog has the dress down his pants, but that's when we learn that it was not Stephanie, which makes us go, oh, good. And then he goes, it was a skank drama student, which makes us go, oh, no. But also, first of all, what do you, what do you guys shit on drama students? Well, because she was acting, couldn't you tell? Um, <laughs> but I, well, can we try to take a minute to spend, who, uh, go back uh, to before the reveal when we just talked about cum for a really long time? Well, we were just like, cum, right? It smells like bleach, this stain, is it cum? It's cum. Cum? Are we all coming? Like, it was, I, I could not believe it. I was like, this is very bad. I, this is very, and you know me, I love cum, but this was not, <laughs> this was not appropriate. I, I, maybe I've been watching too much Bridgerton, but I definitely was <laughs> scandalized a bit uh, during this whole fucking gross bit. Man, do I need to watch Bridgerton? Um, Bridgerton is bad, but it's bad okay. in a way that speaks to me. It's it's bad in a way that Shonda Rhimes is behind it. There's really hot dudes, and like uh, occasionally an orchestra will play like Billie Eilish. So it's right. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out all of the music that they, that the orchestra has been playing. I only recognize uh, bad guys. Oh, but otherwise... no, Ariana Grande's in there. Taylor Swift is in there. Uh, it's very. I figured, bad. but I, I just couldn't figure it. I couldn't quite figure it out. It is yeah, a, yeah. a very it's... bad show that is fun to watch. That like sucks is... you in and drama. I think Natalie's the one who Natalie's been watching this. So is it? It's a, yes. it's like kind of a period piece, but it's like yes. Um, yes. race blind casting. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, it's not. It, it, I thought it was race blind casting. It's actually alternative history. Oh. Yeah, they have they have sort of a they have like a justification in this universe, and it's it's. I mean, yeah. again, it's not a bad show, but it's like Grey's Anatomy, where it's like a soap opera. So it like it's not high art, but it is. Um, I find it very fun to watch. I've been. Uh... It's like it's like. In terms of plot, it's like four different. It's like four romantic movies, like all squeezed together into a, into it. You know, like there's a lot of, you know, you will not there. There's nothing new in any of it, it but it's all. It's like a combination of all of it. It's you know, it's Gossip Girl meets Downton Abbey, and then it's also Pride and Prejudice by way of Riverdale. So I mean, like as you can tell, extremely my shit. It's like Pride and Prejudice, and and she's all that a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and Gossip Girl for sure because they have straight up with well, with, yes. a, with a gossip rag voiceover. I mean, come on. I've been uh, yeah. I've been spending my weekend finally using the uh, free subscription to Apple TV Plus that mm. I got with my to laptop. watch the morning show. No, I haven't watched the morning <laughs> show, but I have watched the entirety of Ted Lasso. Which, oh, I hear that's very oh, I want to watch that. I hear it's which very good. isn't like laugh out loud funny, but it's the most feel good thing that I've watched in a very long time. And um, Bobby, attractive soccer dudes. Okay, with yeah, English no, accents. I, it's on my list to get to. I've heard very good things about. It. Have you watched Central Park yet? Uh, we're we're halfway or... we're halfway through that one, which it's is very which fun. is lovely. Yeah. Um, maybe probably too much Josh Gad for Eric's taste, but in that but there I is Josh it, Gad. I, I, the best Josh. Any Gad. amount of Josh Gad is, is is too much Josh Gad. I find this to be the best Josh Gad I've seen so yeah. far, um, because it's I, not it's it's animated, so you don't hmm. see his, his, his well, smug face. My friend, you should watch the comedians. It's it's the opposite. <laughs> it's it's all the worst Josh Gad. Uh, but even Josh Gad never uh, claimed to have punctured somebody's lungs with their <gasps> penis. <sighs> that was the worst. Look, and I've had men say that to me, and I still find this repulsive. <laughs> <laughs> Blah. 
So Triple H. My favorite part. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say Triple H talks a lot during this opening part and get it into the Vince part. But what do you, what do you want to say? There's something I forget who says it. I just wrote I wrote the note, so maybe you guys can remember. Somebody uh, in this promo talked about somebody being the most capable man in the WWE. Was that like was that the uh, like Lawler and Jr. or was or Cole or whatever or was that uh, Triple H? I didn't clock that. Yeah, I didn't either. Well, I thought most capable man in the WWE is a very funny title in general. <laughs> like like. The WWE has a lot of fuck ups, and I, I, and this guy is the most capable man. He is he's he's as capable as we can as we can make them. I'm sorry. I don't know, but didn't you also um, once give the compliment to uh, artist Alexis Yavni, who's responsible for all of our uh, all the art for our podcast, um, that she was one of the most capable people that you knew? No, you're right. I do. I do hold capable as an extremely high compliment among friends. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess you know, uh, just because you don't hear that often in the WWE universe, I think it felt a little like it felt like a weird uh, backhanded mm-hmm. compliment or something. Word. Um, I no. It, I I use capable for people that I think are are capable all the time. Um, so yes, you're right. Um, so Vince comes out at, at one point and sets up an eight man survivor series match for later on that night. And then triple H says something insane. Like is Stephanie smiling because she's thinking about how bad at sex test is, or because she's thinking about the sex that she could get from DX. Oh boy. Causing yeah, test stretch. Yeah. <laughs> Causing test to run out and gets his face fucked up. Well, I got a couple questions here. Uh-huh. Vince also at some point says he could fire them all. He can come out there with an equalizer. And I was like, does he mean he needs a gun? He means a gun? <laughs> Is he saying he can go get a gun and go shoot them all in the ring? I'm like, that I think that's what he meant. He's like, you will be a bloody mess. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh uh, well, I wanna, what oh, he's gonna what he's gonna do, Bobby, is he's gonna get like a like a sling and, and a box trap for everybody, and then he's just gonna shoot Road Dog. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Everyone else gets like a ten day suspension. Uh, Road Dog gets uh, his hands and feet tied to two different horses that are pulled in different directions. <laughs> um, I also want to talk about how DX looks like they knocked over a bunch of line cooks and stole their shoes. They're all also wearing terrible, thick black sneakers that look very stupid. Um, and most importantly, what I want to know is where was Stephanie then actually? So if they're know. carrying out this great ruse, they're running around like smacked asses in the back. Isn't, shouldn't Stephanie be watching a TV somewhere? Like, where was she? Like, why would she be like, guys, I'm fine. Finish the match. Like, what? Where was she? How was she? Well, you know what I mean? That's uh-huh. what I want to know. How No one seems to be like, oh. And did Vince and Shane already know all of this? Or like, are they also hearing about it for the first time in the ring? Because they started <laughs> yeah, they have... off maintaining the illusion by saying like, oh, Stephanie, blah, blah, blah. The dress, the stain, come, come, come. Smells like bleach, come. And then, uh, wait, do we have to mark this on Apple? Because we say come so much in this. Just a question. Oh, anyway. Uh... <laughs> I do every single time. Don't worry. Okay, great. Uh, this episode may contain come. Uh, what I want. <laughs> but... I feel like they're like that was supposed to be like a reveal. So where's Stephanie been? How come Stephanie didn't just like put out? Like, I, I know we didn't have Twitter and cell phones and whatever, but I just feel like that's a big logic gap here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, 
they went back to find her, but it turns out Stephanie had just been at the hotel the whole time, and then they never like went back to check on her. So Stephanie's still at the hotel. Yeah, she's just watching the point. match, <laughs> just watching a little TV. Well, if she's gonna watch the match, she'd be in the arena at one of the the fourteen locations that they have set up somewhere that you can check a monitor. Now, Stone Cold's like, "This is my milk crate. Get your own fucking milk crate." <laughs> You can't sit here. So we have to move on because we've got a big guest appearance on this episode. Vince and the Stooges. It's all I want to talk about. Vince and the Stooges are waiting for Arnold Schwarzenegger to arrive. I did. I forgot. I mean, and also did realize till the end that he was like looped into this. And I was like, why are we watching these? Is this a mistake? Why are we watching these? Uh, but I was like, I, then it was when I was like, well, I don't care why we're watching these. I'm having a great time. I want That's to exactly, that is exactly why I put them in the homework. I figured uh, it doesn't really fit in, but we need to see, this needs no, to be seen. It was worth it and felt wholly justified by the end. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So Arnold Schwarzenegger is here to promote the movie End of Days. Oh, is and- that why he's here? I didn't pick up on that. Is that <laughs> <laughs> Um, first of all, Aaron, I think it's called The End of Days. The End of, the end of Days movie? <laughs> the End of Days. I, I, oh, yes. Audience, audience, I hope you're ready for all of us to play Good Impression, <laughs> Bad Impression right now, because you're going to get a lot of Arnold impressions coming through the rest of this. Oh, yeah. um, which co- prompted me to look back at his filmography, and I realized that I don't like any Arnold Schwarzenegger movies after True Lies. Hold on. You don't like Last Action Hero? You don't like... Last uh, Action Heroes J- before True Lies. Jingle All the Way? I don't like Jingle All the Way, no. Oh, fuck you. Also, all right, so I was watching this, and I don't know if it was because of wrestling, but I was passionate and adamant about seeing End of Days, <laughs> and I did, and I really liked it, and I think I also would then, after having already seen it, rented it from Blockbuster. <laughs> What? Yeah, that movie has eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I that was eleven percent. That movie has percents. has Arnold Schwarzenegger bringing a bazooka to fight the devil, who I believe is played by is it Gabriel Byrne? Gabriel Byrne. You know why? Because I watched what? I, this is also was around the same time as Stigmata, another like uh, over overtly religious horror film, also starring. Gabriel Byrne, <laughs> but in like the opposite. Oh, with Halle line. Berry. Yeah. No, 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 no. That was no, uh, Gothica. Patricia Arquette. Is it Patricia Pat- Arquette? Yeah, Patricia Arquette. I think. Um, and that's Gabriel Which, Byrne as a priest, as opposed to as the devil. I saw um, I saw Stigmata in the theaters and swore up and down that it was a good movie. It is not. No, it is not. And I, I like I was watching Stigmata and End of Days as almost like companion pieces. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I recommend that we do. Um, again, at some point, just in our lives, not for yes. a podcast, just for yes. the sake, for our own like yes. edification and spiritual renewal. Um, since we haven't checked in since confirmation, I think this would be a good time <laughs> to circle back. Weird uh, Christian shit. Um, but yes, this is the way they belabor every parallel between two men fake fighting in a scripted environment in the ring, and Arnold Schwarzenegger fake fighting the devil in a movie <laughs> is so fucking funny and relentless i i was like honestly it was the, such a good bit the whole way through okay uh, okay I mean, so let's go through uh, all right so the the limo arrives arnold comes out gets a huge pop from the audience they all hug and shake hands 
And first he runs into The Rock, which, I mean, how these two haven't been paired in a movie so far is beyond me. Make it happen, Hollywood. This will be Arnold's redemption in my eyes. Um, also, but wait, before we get there, I just want to point out, at one point, when, he meets, when, he, when he meets the Stooges, he goes, it's going to be a hot show, guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, a, what a fucking tool. The tooliest fucking thing. It's like it's like the most Hollywood fucking thing to say. Like when you're on camera, it's just like, oh, I heard this. I heard this show is gonna be so hot. Oh, it's gonna be the hottest. It, like it literally. What the fuck like does that even mean? The Arnold Schwarzenegger had never seen wrestling. Had no idea what it was, yes. how it worked. He just like showed up there, like here's your lines, just say them to these people, and he's like, I don't know what any of these words mean. Are they like when I fight the devil? You know what I mean? And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Well, I mean, uh, he is—he's definitely drunk for this, right? Or if he's not drunk, if he's not drunk at the start of the night, and we'll get to the main event. By the time we get to the main event, he is definitely drunk. I feel like. I mean, I would—I would say coke, but yeah, sure, drunk. I thought he was just like high in the excitement. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Being at such a hot show. All right. Um. So he meets the Rock. Rock plugs end of days. The first end of days plug that we get. Um, and then we hear Arnold say, there's a lot of jabronis in Hollywood. Oh, man. Oh, God. It reminds me of, like, when the Simpsons, like, there must there must be a Simpsons uh, thing where they do something like this, where it's like, I don't know, like, somebody very clearly, tr- like, um, a little bit like, uh, oh, like, like, hi, I'm Jay Sherman, the critic. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, oh, the... Two worlds collide. Mm-hmm. Yes, Rock, we have many Gibranis here in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and this can only happen when wrestling is at its apex as far as popularity goes, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is on his decline as far as popularity goes. That's the thing. I was shocked, and I looked up, like, this is like the first Arnold Schwarzenegger WWF interaction like i was like surely he had to have popped up at like a wrestlemania or something previously because he's the kind of person that i would assume would always be sort of like loosely in the orbit like Shaq or like mike tyson like people who are just kind of like uh in the periphery of wrestling because they're also sort of like circus people i think he was just he was the biggest action star from like 1982 to 1994 and it was just like bigger than this stuff I mean, they had Aretha Franklin sing the national anthem at WrestleMania. I mean, like, they've had some big stars. I was surprised. I thought, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger would make so much sense. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Vince tried to get him into the ring before that. I mean, like, it, it just it surprised me that it took this long uh-huh. for him to make an appearance. Totally. Well, they, they tried to book uh, Arnold for the national anthem, and when he <laughs> turned them down, they were like, okay, let's go down. Aretha's after <laughs> Arnold. Let's... Um, okay, so backstage, Tess is getting bandaged up, uh, Rock is, is being as rah-rah as he can, saying the only thing that matters is laying the smack down. Sure. Um, then we get back to Arnold, who runs into Stone Cold Steve Austin and tells him to open a can of whoop-ass, and Arnold <laughs> says, or, and, uh, Stone Cold says, ah, oh, yes, just like you opened a can of whoop-ass on the devil in End of Days. Literally. Oh, I mean, boy. it was... wow it was like it's like like, this is what people imagine sponsor content to be like 
Stone Cold Steve Austin, the anti-authoritarian character, like it, nobody's going to tell me what to do, is just straight up shilling here for this fucking movie. Also, does Stone Cold get screeners? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a part of SAG. Yeah, I, I saw an advanced copy of uh, of your End of Days. It's pretty good. All right. Okay. Um. So Arnold Schwarzenegger gets called to the ring where he is um, anointed the world box office champion. And then I can't remember if it's him or Vince that claims that 500 million people are tuning in right now to watch this. (laughs) 500 million people. (laughs) They're all invited to test in Steph's (laughs) wedding, too. How much is that per per plate? What is that? (laughs) Um... Okay, a couple things. So, uh, Aaron, when you when uh, when Arnold showed up, you said you wanted to go through his whole film filmography. Uh-huh. I feel like Lawler also did the same thing because he was like Arnold, who was in Terminator and Terminator Two and Batman and Robin. Did you guys catch when he he was like, oh, and he was Mister Freeze in Batman and Robin, like one of the more inconsequential movies in Arnold whoa, Schwarzenegger's whoa, career. Whoa, whoa, well, okay, you're whoa. right. It is consequential. Yeah, I was saying... But for the wrong reasons. Good. Yeah, but come on. That movie's looked at, and people know it's like camp- it's campy, and it is like an iconic performance. I mean, like, again, something else that like Nathan and I say to each other years later to the point where we forget the origins because it's just embedded in our vernacular is like, hey, Batman, chew. There's like so many moments in that that are so silly and it's- memorable. It's still at the Alamo Draft House used, or well, was used before, back when the Alamo Draft House was a thing. Before the movies, they would show the clip of it to tell you to turn off your cell phones. And it made a shit ton of money. And I want to say it was the last movie he did before End of Days. So I could see the reasoning behind it. Personally, I might have gone with Conan or one of his good movies, but I can understand yes. the reasoning. Also, I'm a little upset that you guys didn't get me a replica belt of the world box office champion. I kind of well, you have that's to earn, the, that's the replica I want. You have to earn that, Eric. Oh. <laughs> they don't just give that away, except they do. <laughs> well, actually, I was wondering: is it like the Walk of Fame, where Arnold has to pay for the belt himself? <laughs> Probably no one, no one WWE. Um, so yes, this is where go see the end of days. Um, but DX is not impressed. And then we cut to a scene where they all wait behind a door to ambush Arnold as though this could be the only possible door that Arnold would come through and only Arnold would come through this door and not anybody else. Instead, they get some schlub. Wasn't it Howard Finkel or no? I couldn't I don't tell. Think so. I, I don't think it was, but I didn't, I did initially think it was Howard Finkel, but I, I think ultimately decided it was not. And I initially thought it was Jimmy Corderas, but I ultimately decided it was not. Yep, I flirted with that idea for my a favorite. Too. My favorite part, though, is that like they're like they start beating up on him, and they're like, "Wait a minute, this guy's not Arnold, <laughs> <laughs> guys!" Like, even don't you think like the, the like whatever your flesh hit, whatever your fist hits like on the flesh would feel like Arnold or not feel like Arnold immediately. Yeah. As, as your, your fist is getting enveloped by the goo of his stomach rather than just like the abs. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like it could, there could be a show that's called like, who am I punching? 
right? <laughs> like where you blindfold contestants and you just like have them punch somebody. Like, okay, now you have three you have three choices of who this could possibly be. We'll give them. We'll give you some uh, trivial back trivia background of each one, <laughs> some little facts, but you have to guess. So then from this scene, DX just starts opening every door looking for Arnold and in the most Scooby-Doo type of way, find Kane, Shane, and The Rock. I like this a lot, actually. Um, I like, you know, again, I kind of like the goofiness of, like, them just, like, beating up the first person that comes around the corner. I know it's, it is a little Wile E. Coyote and, and whatever, but it's, uh, I like it as this, as this sort of, like, uh, a heightened level of wackiness in the wrestling universe. And so I like this uh, comeuppance. And I actually thought that of all the people in this, I think Shane sold this attack the most like passionately and made it feel the most exciting. Uh-huh. Word. I agree. But this led though right into one of my favorite commercials, which was for the JVC Kaboom box. And I can tell you there was nothing in my life I wanted more ever. And that didn't get than a JVC Kaboom box. <laughs> I wanted a JVC oh, we've talked about that. Kaboom box so badly. Um, and just remind, every time I see it, it really creates like pangs of like wanting uh, deep within me. Even to this day, I would love. Could you imagine bringing one of those motherfuckers to the beach? One of these days, you're gonna. Oh my god! You're gonna like. Uh, it's gonna be Christmas morning, and you're gonna like look under the tree, and like all the presents will be open. But then you look under the tree, and there's one more, and it's a big box addressed to Bobby with a note on there from Santa saying, "Sorry, it took so long," and it's gonna be the JVC Kaboom box. Honestly, I would be so happy that that I, I can't think of anything else I'd want in its place. <laughs> and then, but you have to buy the thirty the thirty D size batteries yourself, <laughs> and then you have to start like burning CDs again so that you'd be able to take them with you to the beach. If you think I don't still have all those same CDs uh, in a four hundred plus CD book uh, somewhere in my apartment, you're very wrong. I would and I would only exclusively Ex- listen to the same CDs I was, I was listening to when CDs stopped happening. <laughs> Didn't Eric tell us that those books are bad for the CDs? They are. You might get a lot of skips, man. Yeah, but luckily none of my CDs mattered. I mean, if this Punkorama, <laughs> if this Punkorama Five don't play like she used to, I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then it, it leads to my favorite part. So we've got it's Shane, Kane, and The Rock versus DX. Test is clearly not going to wrestle because he's so beat up from earlier on. But the the um, announcing the openers is one of my favorite parts of this whole thing. Kane comes out, and King just lobs a softball at Arnold. Goes anything like the guy you fought in your last movie, and Arnold just kind of forgets what he was talking about, and then immediately picks up. And is like, oh, oh yes, yes, he's like the devil, which I fought Satan in the movie The End of Days. <laughs> uh. And. Okay, and I'm. Sh- Did you want to say something about that? Because I was going to go something. Else. I well, I just want to say there's also a big thing that's very confusing to me because Arnold keeps saying in my last movie, and it's like you realize that like I know it's the last movie you filmed, but like for the general public, the end of days, end of days is your current movie. Uh-huh. If you say my last movie, I start thinking, what was your last movie? Was it Jingle All the Way? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, he fought the devil and jingle all the way. You remember. It was uh, a mighty battle. Like he's, he truly is so dumb and has no, like, has no sense of, like, cheating out to the camera in any way. You know what I mean? I think yeah. I, this is where I definitely think he's drunk when he announces that the, uh, the Rock comes out and they, he announces that they call him the handsomest wrestler ever. 
Yes. Amazing. Who, who he, yeah, he, well, also he, um, I think he like, uh, not to, not to bring this podcast on a downer, but like, I think he went to like the, uh, the Holly, the same like Hollywood, uh, bullshit talking school that like Trump did mm-hmm. because they both sound very familiar. And I know for, you know, Maybe for Arnold, uh, he's translating into another language, so that might be part of it. I don't know what Trump's excuse is. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of, like, I'm just going to say things and, like, oh, this is fantastic. Oh, yo, he's so handsome. Like, it's just, like, kind of just saying shit just to, like, fill the void and there's not actually any substance in anything you're saying. Or it's the exact opposite and he just starts narrating what's happening in the match except he doesn't know the name of any of the wrestlers or any of the moves. So at one point when, <laughs> yes, the, when it starts yes. he goes, that man just jumped in. Uh, my favorite <laughs> part is he, he was very excited about um, a throat punch at one point. He went, right in the throat! Ha! I was like, what? <laughs> They're rolling him oh. out of the ring. This is the oh, oh, he's done after this. He's he's done after this one. Oh, he's done. First of all, sir, you know that there's a whole bunch to this match left. Uh, so eventually, Test does come out, and it becomes the equal four-on-four, four, but it's not until after uh, Kane gets counted out um, and Shane gets taken out by uh, Mr. Ass with the Famouser. Um, yeah, t- Test shows up to be an equalizer when it's already – when it's going to be unequal again. <laughs> Also, why did why did Kane and X Pac leave? It it's like here's a great four on four match. Actually, it's four on three. Actually, it's three on two. Why? <laughs> What's the point? Mm. Um, but it was this one was was a lot of fun to watch. Yes, yeah, it was a good time. All, um, our, all, um, all our friends were so, here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and look, uh, Shane gets a big pop whenever he does his spear. Uh, I think that's that's like something that that the crowd really likes is like watching him just like spear a guy and then just like like just start pummeling him on top. And I you know I gotta say, uh, it looks pretty good. You uh-huh. know he does it. They 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 sell it well. I don't think, I think it's necessarily spear- a re- oh, I don't think it's necessarily a reaction to him. I think people respond to a a he. It's always usually like a baby face um, kind of like comeback way. So it's gonna pop anyway. And I think people yeah. really like this, like, takedown barrage of punches. Because, for, like, for a long mm-hmm. time, like, close fist strikes were uncommon to see in wrestling. So, like, this, like, I believe, like, close fist strikes, I believe, were actually technically illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, yeah. enforced, or at least, like, semi-enforced. In one of um, so our think... in one of our very early episodes, Bobby, you comment that it's really really funny that it's that it's this big hulking guy. So it's like, no, no, you got to slap him, slap him around. <laughs> yeah, slap him real gently <laughs> on the cheek. But it, that's why I think like just seeing like a pummeling is feels like thrilling, especially when it feels like a comeuppance moment. So Shane's getting those moments here, but I don't think I and I, I don't remember ever associating the spear with him the way I associate that elbow drop, the coast to coast, a few other mm-hmm. moves that become more like uh, linked to him specifically. Yeah. Um, and, and I just feel like a spear at any point that just kind of like breaks up a bunch of offense is going to pop the crowd. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a fun move. So should we go to the um, ending? Yeah. Well, oh. I, I want before we go to the ending, I just wanted to talk about one other thing with Arnold, because again, I was, I was very caught up with the Arnold stuff. Um, at one point Lawler, I think talks about how, 
like DX might be, you know, Lawler, I guess, addresses the fact that DX has been looking to, uh, to like attack Arnold, right? And Arnold's like, well, why, why would they do this? Why would, why, why would they attack me? And, and Lawler's like, well, you know, you're a big star. Uh, DX, they've always been pranksters. They're, you know, they're always like, you know, like kind of, they're always looking to kind of like, I guess, uh, make a big impact by doing, you know, by, by, I don't know, like trying to like glom off of Arnold's, uh, shine. Right. And Arnold goes, so, so what are they jealous of me? And I'm like, <laughs> I feel like Arnold has like, he only understands like five emotions slash motivations. And like, that's probably a very big key to like his acting career. It's just like, you know, like, like Lawler basically laid out exactly what the issue is, like why they want to attack him. It actually has nothing to do with Arnold's fame or their, or like their feelings about Arnold. They're using him for a purpose. And he's like, oh, they must be jealous. They're very jealous. <laughs> Aren't we all? All right. So at the end, we have uh, Arnold giving Austin a chair to hit Triple H with. And his reason for it was, it was ridiculous. The guys were hitting with Chaz the whole time. He's and not wrong. Leads, <laughs> and it leads to an Arnold beatdown of Triple H. That is very, very, very satisfying. That backhand was pretty good. He gave him a backslap. Yeah. yeah, the backhand. That was pretty good. I was like, oof, I, could, I, I felt that. I uh, my I, I really liked how uh, after he beat down uh, Triple H, and he meets um, uh, Stone Cold in the ring. Stone Cold like they he, they like take a little while to like open a uh, to open a Steve Weiser, and like Arnold's just like no, I am not getting this on my suit, and he's just like <laughs> holding it daintily out as he tries to drink from a foaming can of beer. I love it. All right. So it was definitely worth that extra 40 minutes of homework there, wasn't it, guys? Honestly, it was. <laughs> and we may not be uh, talking about Tess and Stephanie directly right now, but we'll see how this all comes back together next week. But in the meantime, love us, disagree, want to... Come all over our dress? Ah! <laughs> 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 Uh, have us show up in neon in neon tuxedos that are black also let us know email us at hell in a cell phone at gmail.com get updates on facebook or twitter at hell in a cell pod or tweet at us individually eric at prime silver bobby at bobby hank and aaron at slow pass our theme song is there are traitors in our myth by disco vietnam and our artist by alexis yavni find links for both in our episode notes please rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts We'll be back again with part two next week and join us again in two weeks for Armageddon 1999. You know what? On second thought, if you do want to come on our address, don't let us know. Don't, don't tell us. Don't tweet us. Don't write that in a review, please. We honestly, we don't need to know. I take it back. <laughs> That's why our DMs are for. Which one, which of us got the point for our Arnold impersonation? Ooh, not me. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I, it's funny in my mind I think I did it great but when I re-listen to this I will probably cringe yeah listeners you can tweet us about that <laughs> do your do your best Arnold impersonation as you do your, rate do your best Arnold impersonation <laughs> it was a hot show guys it was a very hot show just like I reviewed a, just like I reviewed Satan in my latest movie The End of Days 
Terrific. I gave, terrific. I gave him zero stars. 